Blog Talk Radio.
sports things can be completely legitimate. Yes, I do believe that sports cannot be, you know, without some rigging. But I get so excited for these things because my hometown, I'd be so proud for them. Because, you know, y'all don't understand how many losing years the Chiefs had. Like how many ups and downs and going out to games in the cold. Only how your hopes dash, man. So to have, like, a winning energy and stuff like that, oh, my God, I love it. I love it for the city. I'm so excited about it, okay? And I'm a big Patrick Mahomes fan. So, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, that kid is different. And I love somebody who, who understands the time. Like, you know, like, there's few athletes that I really, like, love when I look at them because they're special, like, and I don't want people to get offended by this, but there are some athletes that are good but I feel like have been forced. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know a lot, and LeBron James fans might get mad at me, but I don't feel like LeBron captures the culture like a Jordan did, right? You know, Jordan, it was crazy when Michael Jordan was – the man in the NBA. I mean, the ghost of Jordan still looms. Jordan, only thing I've seen close to Jordan that's crazy like that is Steph Curry. And the reason why I say it is because little kids were crazy. Little kids like LeBron, but it's not the same. It's not It's not like it was. And the only reason I think Steph Curry is not probably that huge figure like Jordan is because Steph Curry is with uh, Under Armour. I just feel like there's some other things, too, that he's done in his career. But... Nobody has that presence like Jordan had in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Jordan is the standard. Every sports, if you want to measure greatness, everybody measures that by Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan was like the great, and and he was just different. You know what I'm saying? He was just cut different, right? And so every now and then, generationally, you get athletes like that. You get Tiger Woods, cut different, right? Then you get... uh, um, let's see, uh, people who define the culture. Then you get, you know, uh, uh, Tiger Woods. Uh, you get people like Deion Sanders, who, I mean, was a great cornerback and acted as a receiver sometimes. I mean, and played baseball and stuff like that. You get the Bo Jackson, stuff like that. I mean, guys who just there's something so special about them and they don't believe in losing and then you get these guys you get guys like Patrick Mahomes. Like like you that just like they wanna win. And they don't they don't believe in like, you know I don't I don't I'm never they don't believe that they're ever out. I love that energy. Oh my God. I think that energy is dope. And it's very few people who have it in the world. Very few people who have that energy of, I'm never out of it. That is a, that's dope. So the Buffalo game was great. I was like, oh, my God. I was so excited. It was such a good game. It was fun to watch. Fun to see, uh, to see just, you know, all the excitement because everybody kept saying this is Patrick's first game away from home. Will he be able to do it? He's got his six. Wait a minute. We had, listen, we have receivers during the season dropping balls, like, everywhere. They weren't even catching good, okay? Now, and I said to people, I was like, the last few weeks, have y'all been watching the receivers? Are we coming? 
I was telling people that. People was like, hey, I don't know about that. No, I was like, they coming. They are catching them balls now. I knew. I knew. Man, and listen, regular season is not like postseason for people like Patrick Mahomes. So, I mean, when I see great, I just love to see great athletes do great things and go above and beyond what anybody thinks they could. And in music, it would be Michael Jackson, right, like the standard. You know what I'm saying? Like where they, like, they don't lose. <laughs> and so I love that. I, I love that. And it's so great to have that energy in a city like my hometown. So, like, this is not to diss my hometown because I love Kansas City, but my hometown, if you grew up in Kansas City in the Midwest, Middle America, Kansas City, there's a lot of, you know, you have a lot of, you know, racism is all over America, but it's a different type of racism, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't explain the Midwest type of racism. It's like, it's 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 kind of hidden, but it's there. You can tell by the sometimes segregated neighborhoods, stuff like that. And what you'll find in the city sometimes is like, we always used to joke, we used to say, you know, Kansas City is fun. We always used to say, if if, if, you, if you white, <laughs> right? Uh, and so, and you know, when we were in my twenties and stuff, we used to go to all we we did every we used to go to all the white clubs. Everything. We like, no, nah, y'all have fun. We can come too. <laughs> but but it, that was it, it was it was more like if there were any black establishments that opened, they quickly, you know, closed because of certain things would happen and all that stuff. And so there was a sense, there's always been a sense because of the old, if you look at Kansas City back in the 1920s and 30s, Kansas City was like a jazz mecca, hip mecca, for, even for black people at that time. And But the mafia was ruling, and there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened during that time. And, and I always used to, they were always used to tell us the story that the forefathers of the cities never wanted that to happen again, so they kind of made it very conservative. So you would have this energy of mediocrity. Like, unlike if you lived in the, on the East Coast or the West Coast, y'all might, in, on the East Coast and the West Coast, what I've noticed when I was young and I would travel to those places and stuff like that, y'all would have, like, when I would come into y'all's hood, they looked like, I was like, oh, my God, do y'all all live in the, pro-? no, this is no diss either. Especially on the East Coast, so I was like, "Oh my God, do they all live in the projects?" Because I, you know, because in the Midwest, you know, you lived in the hood. Which in our hoods, we had big homes, you know, big houses. We were sort of like in, in New York, they had brownstones or whatever, but we had big houses, big yards, and stuff like that. So we saw that, like y'all on the East and West Coast and stuff like that, y'all was living like kind of. Like, we was like, ooh, like, I mean, it was nice, but it looked like cracker. You know, it was different compared to, uh, how can I explain it? Midwest uh, poverty was different from East and West Coast poverty, I would just say, in my opinion. Right? So I thought you could see it more on the coast areas, which is very interesting because those are more liberal areas. But so, but so, so you can, so to me, it was more you could see the uh, the impoverishment a little bit more, um, and so, but when, so when you so there was a need, there's a scrappy need to make it more. You know what I'm saying? A scrappier need because it's harder cities, 
like New York, like like a concrete jungle, especially in the 80s. And the, like New York was back in the day. I remember I used to go to New York in the 90s. It was here. Like it was like I was like, damn, what happened? I mean, like it was dirty and 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 ugly and so I mean, still dirty, but it it, it it wasn't nothing. The culture is not there the same to me. Whereas you know, like uh, I mean, it, but there was a lot of culture and a lot of you know, and, and also being closer to the entertainment makers and stuff like that. I felt a scrappier need for people to make it or to be, whereas in the Midwest and places like that, there's a more comfortable feel, a more suburban feel, even if you're impoverished, right? It's still poverty, but it's a different type, right? And so it kind of looms, there's a mediocrity that kind of falls over you. You know what I'm saying? Whereas in East and West Coast, especially on the West Coast where you may have smaller homes or something like that, like I know in Queens and stuff, Queens and more neighborhoods and stuff like that, but it's still very different from, like, Kansas City and stuff like that. Same thing in L.A. You go to Watts and stuff like that, homes are smaller, just very different, okay? But a more of a need to make it because it's harder and rougher in those places. Whereas Midwest, it was rough. But not as rough as y'all, like what y'all see in concrete jungles and <laughs> no trees. <laughs> trees every 10 blocks. <laughs> you know, so like, I mean, whereas in, in L.A. they would see trees and stuff. But L.A., it's a, it would be a significant difference going to Compton and Watts. Well, there were certain parts of Watts that would be nice. I remember I would go to, when I was little, I went to Watts, and there were nice parts of Watts. And there was then there was the hood parts, the really hardcore parts of Watts. So it's just like some California may be a little closer to what we were, but still more impoverished because how homes were different, the neighborhoods were a little bit more harder. Um, so in my opinion, you get a more hardcore feel and a need to you don't. There's a need to just go to get out to move. Whereas in Kansas City and smaller towns and places like that, Midwest, there's a mediocrity and there's the need to win. There's more of a need for comfort and comfortability uh, and stuff like that. And you uh, you may want to get out, but there's also a, com- a comfort to not getting out. It's hard to explain. It's like a it's like a very so so the winning energy to me is not as hardcore as it may be in certain areas that are harder, right? So I feel like when you see guys like Patrick Mahomes and when you see have sports teams and stuff like that that create winning atmospheres and stuff, it, it sometimes trickles down to the city because people start feeling more like winners, more like, you know, even if you, even though you can have losing teams in New York, but there's still that energy of winning because you got Wall Street there, you got all these things and stuff like that. L.A., you got Hollywood and all this stuff. But in those in our cities, it's more like there's a sudden need. You get to see the energy of winning and less mediocrity. Whereas probably in the 1920s and 30s, it wasn't like that in Kansas City. It was more hip, stuff like that. Well, that got shut down, and there was more ideas to be conservative and comfortable and not go outside the box. And so people tend to live like that, too. I hope I'm making sense of what I'm saying, okay? So that's why I always get excited when I see that winning energy, even if it's with a sports team, come to the city because I feel like it helps people to get out that mediocre box and go beyond to understand 
the power of winning, okay, or or or, or uh, and not being comfortable. And sometimes that you have to be uncomfortable to win. Okay, which brings me to <laughs> this week. I just thought of y'all. It's a word, okay? Oh my God, because it's a it's a word for me, okay? So it's it's a word, and I think I preach this all the time. Is that sometimes you're gonna have to be a little uncomfortable to win, okay? You're going to have to be uncomfortable, and you have to go through some uncomfortable things to win. Patrick Mahomes is your example this week. You know, Patrick Mahomes for the last five, six years of his his career has been in um, has been has, he's been in the AFC Championship game, okay? And he's done five of those at home in Kansas City, okay? He's uh, been to three Super Bowls, two he didn't make it, okay? And now he's on his way to another AFC championship in a year that looked like he was, like, you know, dead in the water. looked like, oh, they're going to get to the playoffs, but they're going to make it this year, right? So this year Patrick Mahomes finds himself having to play on the road, first time in his career. Okay, he goes into Buffalo. People's like it's rough territory. Buffalo is not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be this and that. It's not going to be blah blah blah. And he goes in there and kills it. And one of the things I noticed, I've been noticing, and I noticed this about the Chiefs last year. And I remember I told, uh, I was telling people, this is why the Chiefs. I said one of the reasons why I thought the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year, because the Chiefs were practicing for every team before they met the team. And this year I'm seeing the same pattern. Like when they had the cold uh, in uh, in Kansas City, I mean, it's like that's crazy cold. Negative 30, that don't hardly, that don't hardly happen in Kansas City. I mean, it cold, but not like that. That's crazy, like Antarctica <laughs> weather. But him having to play out in the cold like that would prepare him for Buffalo, New York, right? They And they went in there, and they didn't even blink at the code, okay? But then when they're in Buffalo, they're also getting prepared for Lamar, really, because cause one of the styles, uh, Allen, is the same as uh, Allen likes to uh, run run like Lamar does. So they got to see a little bit of that ahead of time. To me, they got to play it in live time, okay? So you're like, Carlotta, what are you trying to say? There's a one of my favorite stories in the Bible is about David when David was um, a shepherd a boy and he was um, keeper of the sheep before he was a king. And one of the things that uh, David did was protect the flock of the sheep. And so there's a story that tells us that David killed a lion, a bear. I forget, was it was a lion, a bear, and I forget what all the, third, the two things. What was it? What did David kill? Uh let me look at this because i got to get this right for y'all. Like, I'm going somewhere. It may not sound like it, but I am. Okay, we got this. Hold on. Uh, let me see. What's that? Okay. Yes, I think he killed a lion and a bear. That was it before he, he went on to kill Goliath. But people, a lot of biblical scholars say that the killing, David becoming a shepherd, learning how to protect the sheep and everything, was preparing him to one day go up against Goliath. 
Now, that seems crazy, okay, because you're like, okay, David is just a shepherd boy, and he's protecting sheep, and uh, he's protecting sheep from the enemy, but in this, during the time that he's protecting sheep from the enemy, he's having to fight lion, a lion and a bear to come, that's going to come in and hit. But that is preparing date this little shepherd boy who will one day be king. So one that when he meets Goliath, he's already he's already got the tools because he's hey I've already killed a bear, and I've killed a lion. Now I got this big giant that's threatening the people of Israel. Okay, and one of the things the Bible often refers to people as sheep, right? And so uh, it would also prepare David to be king. And protector of the people, right? So, what are you saying, Carlotta? What is the chief and all this preparation got to do? Sometimes you fight small battles. It'll be small or medium battles, or big or or big battles to prepare you for the huge battle, right? To prepare you for your biggest uh, victory, right? When David fought Goliath, it was with a slingshot. It didn't even take him that long. You know, people saying, oh, please, David, you ain't nothing but a little shepherd boy. Ain't no way you got no business going out here trying to, you know, fight, uh, uh, fight. Saul ain't even trying to fight. The king ain't even trying to fight Goliath. And here you trying to go out here and fight Goliath. One of the things in the in the Bible says that David put on uh, Saul's, uh, Saul's clothes and they were too big for him. And he took them off because he realized I'm not supposed to fight in your car. I got my own stuff I'm supposed to go in. To go in. And he takes his, takes his slingshot, something simple, and he knocks the giant down because he had already had practice killing the lion and the bear, okay? So what am I saying to you all today? Sometimes you have to go through rough things. You have to go through tough things. <laughs> I know sometimes you don't want to go through them. I don't want to go. I mean, I, listen, let me tell you something. There are some things I do not be wanting to go through. <laughs> I was like, God, you know, we serious here. 2022 was so good. And that 2023, you like, it's like you throwing all kind of obstacles. You like throwing, really? <laughs> I mean, all kind of obstacles. I, I don't know. So, But I feel like I'm fighting my lion and my bear, and then I had so many, I had a lion and a bear, and then I had this, you know what I'm saying, which is my Goliath, you know what I'm saying? And so the lion and the bear prepares you for Goliath and makes Goliath an easier kill. So, kill. so whatever you're going through, little things, and you're saying, man, I don't understand why I'm going through this, this, that, Look at it as your little, your lion and your bear right before you are, that will help you um, be able to knock out the bigger, uh, the, the, the big Goliath that you may have coming at you, okay? Or if you're already in the big Goliath, remember what it took to kill your lion and your bear. And often, you know what, it's so funny because there's always these, um, kind of things in the Bible, as you notice, they are, people always fight, they're always fighting little things before, and, and it teaches them how to 
once they're in a bigger situation or a bad situation, I'm using the Bible because that's my spiritual book that I love to use, but uh, whatever you use. But whenever people are in, find themselves tough in tough situations, it's situations that you've been through before that will take you, that will help you get through the harder things that you may go through, okay? So sometimes you may have to do like Patrick Mahomes is finding himself not at home in a cozy arrowhead with all Chief fans yelling in red, go, go, you know, he's finding himself on the road in enemy territory trying to win games, right? <laughs> but he's already slayed some big, some big things to get to that to a championship game they never thought he would get to, okay? To slay Goliath. So and that's how he's often the one, okay? So I use Patrick and I use David in those instances. That sometimes you gotta be uncomfortable, you gotta be not in a comfortable situation to learn how to slay your giant. Okay, whatever that may be for this year. It's, sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it is going to be rough. It ain't always going to be easy for you, but you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> okay, so that's your it's a word today, okay? Oh, my God, I got one out. Yay! <laughs> All right, so listen. Man, okay, so I ain't finna show y'all about my weekend, right? So I talked about the cheese. How excited I was for that. Okay, so let me tell you what happened. Tisha was like, you know what? Okay. <laughs> so my hair, like I'm doing my hair. And so when I when I first decided, because I, 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 I first decided to cut off my hair, I was planning on cutting it all off, you know, like just cutting it off. I was like, I, because, you know, I was preparing myself in case I had to have chemotherapy. I was like, you know, I'm already got my mind in the in the thing of, you know what, I'm going to have to cut. I just started, because I had cut my hair years ago, and I was just starting to grow it back all out. And I was like, oh, my hair was going out so pretty and everything like that. And I was like, what? And I finally had cancer. They said, you don't know if you're going to have chemo or not or whatever. So I just turned, I immediately turned my head on. And which is funny, because the few months before, I had already been thinking about cutting my hair, right? But not in the, like cut it off like it's this short, right? So I had already been thinking about it. It had already been in my spirit, man, right? Like this whole year. I remember telling one of my girlfriends, like, oh, you know, I'm thinking about cutting my hair again. She said, you don't. You just start growing your hair back out. It's so pretty and all this. So I was like, oh, okay. I didn't. But so when I found out that I may, I thought I may have to have chemo. I was like, okay, let me just, you know. Like I told y'all last week, I said to my beautician, let's just cut it because no matter what, I don't want to carry around the energy. Because sometimes hair carries energy, and I was like, I just want to get out the bad energy, right? And so we decided to cut it and ease on into it. Cut it a little short, like short, but I still have hair, a lot of hair on top, you know, curl, whatever. (laughs) So going through radiation, I don't have to have chemo. Look at God, okay? Thank God. And... um, Going through radiation, I'm like, my hair, you know, even though, you know, my different, my other different people have told me they've experienced different things, right? My girlfriend had already prepared me said, you know, your hair may kind of get brittle or break it, even though it's, it's radiation on your breast, but your body might react to it a different way. So I felt like my hair was just like not reacting right. It be, it was just, I mean, it was just dry. It was nothing was going right. <laughs> I mean, I had to wash it, to, you know, every day, like, to make it look 
really decent. So I'm like, what the hell is going on, right? You know, just felt like I, my stuff, my hair was just drying, like eating up oil. It just was not going. And I didn't know if it was over-processed because I colored it, me and my beautician, but I don't think that was it. I don't know what the energy was of it. So, because I was trying to get a certain color. So I decided that I was going to, you know, put some, Relax on my like you know, my ears because I can relax my own hair. And then I was like, oh, I forgot I colored it right, and so I had some a little bit of my hair come out. I was like, oh damn! So I was like, you know what? It wasn't even that it wasn't that much, but it, I, it, my hair still looked decent. But I was just like, I went to me, I said, this is what I was supposed to do in the first place. I said when we went to her, she she I went to her and she was like, what did you do? You know, and I was like, she was like, all right, you know, she could you know she could save it, but she was like, no. I told her, no, I told her, no, let's just cut. Let's just shave it. This is what I should have done in the first place. Let's just shave it all off. Oh, my God. I have seen women do it, my grandmother included. I did not, women used to say, this is the most freeing. I remember reading, wait, sidebar. I remember reading Napoli Ever After years ago. If you ever read read that book, like, years ago, like, in my Maybe I was in my early 20s or late 20s or something when I read that book, or maybe early 30s. I remember reading that book and thinking, oh, my God, you know, she, this is a great book. This is right. <laughs> Even though it was a fiction book, I remember getting my hair, my first big chop during that reading that book, but I didn't cut it all off. I just got my hair. No, that was my second chop. I think that was my second big chop. My hair was really long at that time. I think I cut it, and I cut it down. Like, I cut it real short. I was happy about that. But that wasn't, that was, it was still a lot of maintenance. Because, you know, but listen, in the book, she had shaved her hair off, right? This time, I, my beautician shaved my hair and, you know, colored it. I mean, I wasn't completely bald, but I have very little hair. <gasps> the freedom that I felt. I have felt that way since I was a little girl. I was like, what the hell? Oh, my God. Like, I felt free. I was like, I told her, I said, let's cut my because I ain't seen my real hair since I was little. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like my hair, my natural my natural curl state and all that stuff. I'm like, you know. So it was, it's such a freeing experience, like, to be able, I said little stuff. You know, as a black woman, to be able, I used to hear black women say, ooh, when you shave your hair, it's so freeing. I used to hear women say that all the time, and I would admire them and be like, dang, wow, I wish I could do that. You know what? And, you know, I would just get mine cut so far. But, oh, my goodness, the freedom when you put, like, I can put my head under water and not fucking think, like, oh, we'll worry about my fucking head. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, my God, for a black woman, y'all know the panic that comes, right? You know? So I'm like, oh, my God. Even with weave, weave, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So panic. I'm like, suddenly, that is not there. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I have never, I was like, I don't know, I, I don't know if I should go back. <laughs> I see what Jada, I see what all these women enjoy. I see, even though she had alopecia, she really had to go through it. But there's a lot of women that don't have alopecia and just doing it. And I so I found this chick today. Who, who shaved her hair, and she was just saying the same thing. I mean, it is such a freak. I cannot tell y'all. As a black woman, I don't know. I think every woman should experience at one time in their life shaving their head. I think you would just be like, oh, my God. You, would, you wouldn't 
it's so cathartic. Not just, you know, the, the stuff has, we, we internalize as black women about our hair, but it's just getting rid of the negative things that, you know what I'm saying? And one of the places to me that can catch a lot of negativity and stuff, especially if it's been a while, you haven't cut, is hair. It's just my personal opinion. Hair is very, can be very spiritual. So I was just like, I'm just telling y'all, the, the, oh, my God, it, it is a cathartic experience. I don't even, it, 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 I don't even know, to go to sleep at night and not wrap my hair, <laughs> I mean, you know, I can go to sleep and I would not wrap it, but, you know, it would be out of my head in the morning, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know what I'm saying? But to go to sleep and just wake up and then all I got to do is, brush, I don't even got to brush it really like, I'm like, what? <laughs> and I can just go. I just throw the cat. I mean, it's cold. <sighs> Listen, I'm telling you, it's a freeing experience. I don't, it's a spiritual experience. Oh, my God. Lord, it's close. It's not equivalent. But if you've ever had, if you've ever had a, you've been in church and you ever caught the Holy Ghost, it's not equivalent to catching the Holy Ghost. But it, it's, it's like a baptism of your, of your energy. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's, it's a, it's a mind blowing thing. And you know what? It's another thing that it does is, for, a, for a moment, it clears up the vanity that we carry about our hair. It really does. I mean, it's just like, whoa. Like, whoa. <laughs> it really clears up a lot of things for you. Like, as a, I, I can't explain so many things. One day I may talk about this, you know, with other women. Maybe have some women on who shave their head and we talk about that experience. I used to see women talk about it all the time. And my grandmother shaved her hair and never went back. She never went. She never grew her hair back out again. She gets. To, she still goes to the barber and gets her hair. <laughs> She's like, I'm never growing my hair back. <laughs> you know. What I'm saying? So like, when it does grow out, I can tell she hasn't been to the barber in a minute because our hair grows really fast. So she. She's like, yeah. It's about time we go to to uh, the barber or my. She goes to a barber or my cousin, who's a beautician and do her hair. She. She's like, I don't. I. I will not grow it back. <laughs> And so, but I, I know I'm going to probably, I'm more than likely growing mine back, but for a minute, I am going to enjoy this, okay? I'm The experience of it is such a beautiful experience. I cannot say enough about it, okay? So, y'all, that is my week so far, my weekend. How about week with this week? Oh, my goodness, what else we got to talk about? I don't know. Is that it? I think that's it. It's time for me to go on break. Okay, so when we get back, okay, Donald Trump pulls out New Hampshire. Well, did we ever think Nikki Haley was going to – did anybody think – I don't even know what we're doing here. Nikki Haley needs to sit down. Nikki, you know Donald is going to be running. <sighs> oh, my God, you know Donald's going to be running, Okay. And we're gonna so we're, which brings me to this opinion piece in Newsweek this week that talks about blacks and Hispanics. No, blacks, not Hispanics, because Hispanics vote at that is a mis, uh, misnomer that Hispanics don't vote 
Republican. Yes, they do. High percentage, 30%. Okay? So, but it's, this article says black and Hispanics are turning, on to Trump, are, turn, are turning to Trump thanks to Biden's open border. No. Hispanics have been over there at 30%. It's more like black people, and that's also because of Catholicism, right? More like black people are turning to Trump who have been uh, uh, voting Democrat 90-some percent. Of our 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 community votes Democrat. Okay, so this really should be. I don't know why they like to lump us together because we're very different. Okay, it has cultures and group, but they love to do that stuff. Okay, uh, <clears throat> so we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more when I get back on the CC show. Meanwhile, y'all got to hear a little bit of music. Let's start off with. Child, I don't know what to start off with. I thought I had, you know. I be thinking I have what I want y'all to hear. Y'all know how I be doing. Okay, I know what I want you I know what's good to start off with, okay? Uh, I love this song. One of my favorite Janet songs, Better Days. It's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all. They used to sit and wonder, would I ever be happy? Life was so bittersweet. Many disappointments, too many ups and downs for me. When you live a nightmare, it's hard to dream. But sometimes life just isn't fair. So why complain? Nobody cares. And I
for the very best in government, politics, celebrity entertainment, music news. Tune into the Carlotta Chatwood Show right here on Block Talk Radio.
order for me to maintain my individuality, I must take complete control of my emotions. Because you are not going to hurt me again, baby. Uh-uh. Need love to her. I love that song. Oh my God. You know, all the little 80s uh, uh, things like uh, Alexis Carrington from Give Her Love to Blake. You'd have to be old <laughs> to know that is a reference to Dynasty, okay? <laughs> I love the 80s. <laughs> oh, it's just a weird time, okay? I am back on the CC show. We are back. We are talking hot topics tonight and okay so let's get into some of the hot topics uh first of all let me just say this okay listen miss tina miss tina you being messy out here in these streets see you cannot come for dinner y'all better quit playing don't nobody can i don't listen yeah no j- don't be don't be hating on Janet because Janet got real numbers. <laughs> don't let me get up. You don't want me to talk. You do not. You do not want me to start on the Renaissance too. Okay. <laughs> I'm not taking this. So allegedly this week, people were just saying Miss Tina had liked a post about complaining about Janet Jackson's ticket prices and stuff like that from one of her friends or something. Okay. And people was coming for Miss Tina, okay? Because it's like, uh-uh. Like, no, no, no. We're not going to have that, okay? We're not going to have you come. You're not going to be coming for Jen. You're not going to be coming for Jen. You're not going to be coming for real ticket sales. <laughs> Woohoo! But anyway, Miss Tina, okay? Miss Tina caught on, and Miss Tina wants y'all to let, let y'all know she's saddened by the thing about Janet. It was a misunderstanding. I bet it was, okay? Because, you know, don't be cute. Don't be cute. Let's listen to Miss Tina's situation, what she said, had to say about the dance, okay? Uh, and I'm trending for liking a post about ticket prices and an artist overcharging. First of all, being on the other side of that, I know better than anyone what a great production costs and that is expensive, and I would never criticize another artist, let alone Janet Jackson, who is the queen of production, and um, her family. I mean, that first family of music always have been and always will be, and I love and respect them. Uh, Secondly, I stay away from negativity. If you follow me, then you know that I am not involved in the mess. What I am guilty of is 
liking posts, going through when I'm in a big hurry and I don't have time to really read, and liking things because I trust that these are people that I follow. That was a big mistake. I will never do that again. So I just want you to hear it from my mouth that I would absolutely never do that. Okay, Capricorn, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But listen, I, most Capricorns I know be looking at their stuff, even their friends and folks. I don't believe that was an accident. But I'm going to let you say it was, okay? You didn't read your, you just liking your friend's shit. <laughs> Cats is even more thorough than that. But okay, Miss Ben, if you say so. Yes, they are the first family. Yes, she is the queen of production, okay? Yes. Okay? We're we not going to have that, okay? So I'll be let you go this time, Miss Tina. All right, you came on and explained yourself. I don't need, I don't do the negativity, but they be saying you be cooking up some Mitch's brew. <laughs> <laughs> I don't leave you alone. Miss Tina, I love me, Miss Tina. I love Miss Tina better than I do her kids, okay? But but Miss Tina, no, I can't say that. I love Miss Tina as much as I do. I just don't like, Beyonce's the one. I like Solange. I, I mean, I'm I'm decent on Solange, right? You know what I'm saying? But I love, I, I it's not that I don't like Beyonce. She just irks me sometimes. So I like Miss Tina better than her kids, her oldest kids. <laughs> I like your oldest kids. She just irks me sometimes. And I like Solange, okay? But, you know, listen, Miss Tina, you can't be coming for Jen, okay? We we don't have that. These Santa fans is for real. We we do not play, okay? No, you will not. You will not ever, ever Especially when your daughter had them tickets she was trying to sell. Let the scalpers allegedly withhold tickets. <laughs> they could see. Now let me get started on this. Don't let me get tired talking about high ass Okay, I believe you what you like, but I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you go, Miss Tina. I, I respect you, Miss Tina. You look cute too on this video. Tina's so pretty. I gotta give it to her. She she's beautiful. Her and uh, her Beyonce's beautiful too. Uh Solange too. I mean beautiful group, beautiful family, beautiful women, okay? Yeah, but she she looks really looks really good as Tina, okay? But yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, don't do it no more. <laughs> All right, so so we had to get that straight. What is this? I, I don't know if I wanna see that part. What else we gotta get straight? What about that? Okay, let me see. We got Miss Tina. Okay, let's talk about blacks and Hispanics are turning to Trump thanks to Biden's open border. This is an opinion piece. Uh, it says from Newsweek, it says in 2020, President Trump won a historic number of black voters. Uh, near Nearly 20% of the black men turned out to vote for him. He's poised to make even more inroads with our community this time around. Suffice it to say, when you're uh, the face of the FBI witch hunt and unjust uh, criminal justice system, well, black people have been on that for a while now. But uh, but it's not just black Americans. Hispanic voters, too, are poised to give Trump historically high numbers. And, of course, it's not just the injustice. Top of the mind for many minority voters switching for Trump is immigration. For all the talk of the white working class being in Trump's base, it's minorities who have been asked to bear the brunt of President Biden's open border policies. It's our communities where these 
migrants are set up. Our children are already struggling, uh, already struggling through where their children, where their children are placed, and are already devalued jobs that are, that they are now competing for. Uh, then there's the question of whether illegal immigration ought to be allowed to vote, uh, allowed to vote immediately upon arriving in the U.S. In 12 uh, municipalities across the nation, illegal migrants can vote in local elections. Yeah, you think that's partly some of it? Okay, I wonder where they're dropping the laws and stuff. In the 12, mm-hmm, y'all better watch it. These may not be federal elections, but to black folks who were denied the franchise for so long, this sure looks like a slippery slope to further weaken the power of our vote, which already do so little to help improve the quality of our lives. Granted, such a right is an end run around the Voting Act of 1965. It would act as a dilution of the black American vote, dilution of the black American vote. Consider the irony. When Democrats are challenged by black voters to show what the Democratic Party has done for us, Democrats and their supporters inevitably inevitably point to the 1965 Voters uh, Rights Act. Now, the one thing they've done right by the black community is getting ready to be under a mine. That's why I'm one of those black Americans who intends to exercise my voting options and vote for a Republican presidential candidate. We can just sit quietly and watch our vote dissipate. So we can't just sit quietly and watch our vote dissipate the way we watch our wages disappear into under-the-table payment non-citizens. Of the two dominant political parties, Republicans are the only ones who seem to see the danger of Biden's open border policy. This is why, for the first time, minority voters open to supporting Republican candidates because they are willing to stand up against much measures. It's nothing short of a game-changing environment. Um, we have fought a civil war for a civil war, endured Reconstruction and Jim Crow, marched, languished in prisons, bled, and died for the right to vote, the right to work, the right to, for the American dream. All this we did while maintaining an under, undying allegiance to this country. It is fundamentally unfair to hand over such hard-fought for rights to people whose first act in the country was to break the law. Okay, you know, this is a very interesting opinion piece. And one thing I'll say is this. I wouldn't just tell you to vote Republican. That's not what I would say. Um, I voted Republican. I voted all kind of party. party. I voted a lot of stuff. I vote with what I think at the time, but uh, I voted Democrat. Uh, what I will say is this. Um, be careful of the type of Republican because there is the Bush Republican. There's the neoconservative who, in my opinion, kind of likes open border policy because they benefit from it a lot. They benefit from cheap labor and things like that. Trump is a little bit of a throwback of a dinosaur a little bit, does not like um, uh, open border illegal immigration, uh, and and it's pretty harsh on it. Obama was too, though. People didn't know that Obama was too. Obama, Obama was the biggest supporter secretly. Um, this is a huge problem. It affects black Americans to me more than anyone. Uh, the other day I heard a person, one of the Democratic operatives on, and she started naming all the things that black people that, you know, talk about the Democrats have done to help black people. And she names stuff that Democrats do to close the wealth gap. What she does is name stuff that they've done for everybody. I'm like, if you paid off everyone's student loans, 
that wouldn't close the wealth gap. That would just put black people back where they're at, still at the bottom with their student loans paid out. What needs to happen, what, what we, we're not the same as everybody else. There needs to be an agenda specifically for black American descendants of slaves in this country. Because what black American descendants of slaves experience is a different minority group in this country. We can't be locked in with Hispanics. Our issues are not the same. Black Americans are working from a deficit because their ancestors in this country were enslaved, robbed, raped, sometimes in the South, property stolen and, and pillaged, ideals stolen. People don't understand the ugliness of slavery. I mean, I don't think all Americans understand. You know, you have people trying to say, well, slavery wasn't that bad. I'm like, what the? Yeah, of course. Huh? <laughs> I, I mean, they say the craziest things, okay, to justify the hideous atrocities of slavery. But slavery set a whole group of people back. And then America would add to that a hundred years of Jim, with, uh, not with, with slavery, they would add Jim Crow laws, a hundred years of Jim Crow, and segregation. You can't expect black America to jump up overnight and be where you are. When people have literally built their wealth off of the back of the American slave. It's very interesting. So now you're bringing over cheap because America has a problem. They can't get, they can't do slavery's outlaw. You can't do free labor anymore. So we'll do cheap labor. Okay. And what you're doing is you're bringing more people into the country who you're ready, you're willing to exploit. Have these people live in poverty because they're not citizens and they don't have any rights and they can't fight for a fair wage. Meanwhile, you put the American citizen, black people who have fought so hard to be citizens of the country in which their ancestors were enslaved because they built it. Now you're bringing in cheap labor to compete with them. It's a demonic situation. Man. It is really demonic. And it is sad all the way around. And what I'm more sad for than anybody is the people who have been waiting to get into America legally. People who said, I'm not going to break the law. I'm going to do it the right way. And they're being punished for doing things the right way. Okay? But meanwhile, we got people coming all over these borders, breaking the law and all this stuff. And Joe Biden and Dodo Kamala don't seem to care about nothing. So, you know, I'm like, both they asses up. I don't take politics personal. Only way I take politics, po- I mean, what, what I mean is I don't have to like you. The only thing I take personal is your policy that helps my people get out the rut or that will help my people. And I realize that every politician uh, is not perfect. When we say, well, the, dip, the Republicans are racist, well, the Democrats are too. So what is the, I don't understand. 
there is no pure party in America that has not been touched by the sting of racism. I mean, the Democrats is going to go around and talk to us about abortion all day. Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're going to Because you're going to talk to us about aborting our babies and how that's a, a, a problem for us. Instead of telling black people, instead of talking to black people about how to get out of the issues of poverty so their children won't be impoverished or try to pass policies that would help the single mother or help people who've had children. You want to go out and talk to us about abortion. They really think that's that's on our agenda. They disagree. They wow. And here's the secret. A lot of Hispanics are Catholic, so they don't go for the abortion talk either. But they haven't been going for the Democrats that much either. Donald Trump, they voted at Donald Trump for 30%. And listen, see, I always we talked about this about Latinos. That is a, it's actually different groups of people who sometimes don't have any, Cubans are different from uh, 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 Dominicans. I mean, we know, y'all know this. I mean, you, listen, 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 like Japanese are different from Chinese, okay? The, the way they vote and see things are very different culturally. So, but they try to sell us the okie doke and try to sell us some sort of coalition that is not just real, okay? So, yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, we'll see. I feel like uh, Joe, uh, yeah, Joe is in trouble, okay? And, and y'all gonna have to get all y'all little celebrity minions out here. Y'all gonna have to, be, gotta to do a whole lot, but you know, they don't, they haven't been working the last few years, so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, also, who is it? I saw news. I saw the same movie talking about. I was talking about the NBA the other day, and they were talking about how the NBA ratings last year were slightly down um, across ABC, ESPN, and TNT uh, from last season. Okay, just slightly. Uh, and we were talking about the globalism of the NBA, okay, because their ratings are down. You know, they've been trying to lift up different uh, – uh, you see a kind of a lift uh, uh, – a lift up of, of kind of – let me see if I can find – kind of lift up of, of the, uh, uh, maybe kind of like the um, – what is it, player uh, – globalist, like more of the international player, and I have no problem with that. The problem is I don't like when it's forced. When you see it's forced, and here's the thing. What I see is the NBA, my personal opinion about the NBA, is I I wouldn't be surprised if in about five years the NBA goes the way of the MLB. And they'll be out here trying to uh, recruit the American player, the American black player. Um, and part of the reason I think that you're not seeing a lot of black Americans, we were talking, and we, I talked about this about how, I was talking with somebody about this about 
uh, I heard one uh, person have a show on YouTube, one of the podcasters, and they were talking about how black men were upset because there were so many mixed, and this is going to be right, but there wasn't a lot of black men in the NBA. Like, there's still black men, but there's a lot of biracial and stuff like that. And this person had um, a thing talking about black men have gentrified themselves out the NBA by marrying white women and stuff like that. I don't think it's just that. I think it's just that simple. I also think that you're talking about the spreading out of, when you go into, like, where in the 70s and 80s, it was easy to find where the majority of black people lived in urban neighborhoods, okay? If you went into a city, it was easy, in you know, to find the hood. You know what I'm saying? Today, that is not so anymore. You know, where you'd have, first, you'd have little black, you have black kids in the neighborhood playing out, and basketball playing out in the streets. And the hood brought with it a certain, like I was talking about in New York and stuff like that, a certain ruggedness to the neighborhoods. But at the same time, you had black people who lived in neighborhoods together who would help each other, who would, um, you know, like if you, if you know, if it was hard times in the 70s, 80s, it was nothing to see somebody knock on your door and say, can I admit? Uh, at, uh, on the neighbors, at, we uh, ask me such and such, can we borrow a cup of sugar or something like that? It that wasn't because I can go to the store or whatever. You often see a lot of times in black neighborhoods, black people sometimes like a village helping each other. Today, with gentrification, they spread us all out. Kids are more in the house and stuff like that. So you aren't seeing a producing of that athlete that the hood produced, right? Black people are, uh, I said something to that, I said black people are living in poverty and isolation due to the suburb effect, because black people are still in poverty in America. Black Americans, you're still in poverty, even though you're living in the suburbs. Um, less than 1% of black people live above, I think it's less than, I forget, so less than 10%, I forget the percentage to live above the poverty line, it's not much, right? So we're still struggling in black America and the wealth gap is still huge. But this time what we're seeing is to me that's the NBA is a reflection of that. Somewhat like what's happened to the MLB. The NBA is a reflection of our neighborhoods changing, gentrification changing, um, us moving being spread apart away from each other, not creating neighborhoods and cultures and stuff. Because gentrification to me isn't just about um uh, people moving back in uh, black neighborhoods and taking over gentrification too to me is too is about the separating of black people. It's also about it also to me is directed directed greatly with globalization and the spreading out of a, a group of people uh, losing a sense of culture, losing a sense of community, uh, and uh, to me the global world kind of promotes that too. Uh, you lose a sense of localized or nationalized community, right? So if you're losing it on the national level, you're going to be losing it probably on the local level too, okay? So this is a very interesting thing I noticed about the NBA today. I wanted to talk about that because I thought, you know, we're living now. I said, you know what? What's happening with black people is that we are now, they got us living in poverty. We can't see each other. We living in poverty now in different cities. Uh, in isolation, so we don't we don't see what's happening where you in the hood you can see every day like but now the hoods have been are being gentrified 
And so uh, I think that's a way, it's a way to uh, cover up impoverishment too, okay? So by having it spread all out, but it also affects the way what athletes we produce, the systems we produce. And so the NBA, you see where MLB has not had a lot of black young, they're, they're trying to recruit black American young men because they haven't seen a lot of them play because that's because kids used to go outside and play baseball because so they don't know how to do that no more. Or they used to do it in these neighborhoods and hoods. Same thing with basketball, football, stuff like that. Now they a lot of these, if you're in the suburbs, you see going to the program, going to programs and stuff. Whereas a lot of times kids back in the day was on the street playing ball and then they take it to school and you know, you know what I'm saying? Very different. Just a very different. So it's not producing. Um, what it used to produce. And even, you know, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player probably people say ever was, was I think he was produced maybe kind of black suburbia. So it's a um, very interesting. I don't know. We might talk about that a little bit more, the NBA, the gentrification of neighborhoods, how does it affect uh, sports and everything. That's a very interesting look. But I thought that's one of the reasons. I said I could see the NBA Trying has NBA gets more global going the way of the MLB. That's not good news for the NBA. Because what's happening to me is they sold the world um, the American athletes sometimes. And so sometimes people are used to seeing a thing. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. But one day I, I'll figure out a better way to explain it to y'all. We'll figure out. <laughs> we'll talk more about it. But I found that interesting. All right. So what's next? Um, okay, Kathy out here with her husband with Diddy money. I mean, she's been showing up at uh, uh, what is it? What Paris Fashion? She had Paris Fashion Week, and her and her boyfriend was. I mean, her and her husband was in a fur coat and something like that. Girl, Kathy out here with that money. Okay. She was at, what was the saying? She was hurt. Cassie was sad because she watched his husband, Alex, fine walk at Paris Fashion. Oh, he's going in the mall, and so Alex was walking. Okay, he walked in the way. Wow. Okay, it says Cassie cut, this is according to Daily Mail, Cassie cut a stylish figure as she attended Paris Fashion to watch her husband, Alex, fine, head to the catwalk on Wednesday, two months after setting her 30 million Selling her thirty million dollar lawsuit against ex Sean Diddy Jones. Uh, she looked cute too. Okay, uh, listen, <laughs> her man and her took a picture where they was like he was in his long fur and stuff. Everybody was like Diddy money. Cassie, listen, it don't affect you now, but I hope it don't affect your relationship. Last thing some men want is to be like looked at by living off another man's dime. But hey, who am I? Hope it works out for her. <laughs> Crazy, okay? But you ain't seen her out in these streets in years, and suddenly they walking down Paris Fashion Week. That is wild. Man, it's off of Diddy's dime. <laughs> crazy, 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 okay? All right, so uh, what else is going on? Okay, I saw this interesting post on Little Duvall's page, and he always has interesting stuff up, okay? But it's a 45-year-old woman talking about 40-year women, 40-year-old, 40-plus, 40-year-old-plus women are on the clearance rack, okay? 
I was like, really? Bro, you could fool me, child. Because listen, I don't know. Maybe I'm just different. Maybe I hit. Maybe I'm hitting different. <laughs> listen, I, I'm 50 plus with a ring on my face. Listen, and I still be. I don't know. Maybe I don't, maybe I don't got some problems yet. <laughs> but let's listen to this. We got. We'll 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 listen to what she has to say. I would want to talk about this stuff. Okay. Own daughters, one is married, one's going to be married soon. So y'all, y'all really need to have conversations with your, your moms, aunties, mentors, okay? For women over 40, y'all, this dating landscape is different. No one is really talking to us about how different the dating landscape is. I went through it at 43, married at 44, maybe at 42, I don't know. But I'm 45 now, and I'm doing my best to help y'all understand it's limited, okay? You want to clear and track, okay? You got to pick the best where managers special. It's not what it was in your 20s. It's not what it was in your 30s. And some of y'all over 50 that I meet and you really still think y'all got options, you're so independent and set in your ways, you blame it on the men. But it's you, sis. It's you. Your, your mom. Okay. I hate when I hear women do this because... <sighs> You imply that your life is a man. You imply that, you know, I remember being in my 20s. No, I'm going to tell you all the truth. When I was in my 20s, okay, and I, and, and, and listen, there were, I talked to young girls today. They be saying they still had the same problem. They saying it's clearance rack if you're in your 20s. <laughs> That's how I say bad they said. But when I was in my 20s, I was like, I had to stop dating. I thought, I was, I was like, listen, let me get my stuff together. I don't know if I'm just attracting the wrong crazy. I'm just attracting. And even, well, this, I wasn't attracting bums. I was attracting what people call high back. And it was just so crazy. I think, yes, it's unrealistic to think as an older woman that you will not have a different landscape of dating than a 20-year-old. When you in your 20s, you just fucking want to go out. You just do, I mean, it's different. And a lot of the patriarch today, the patriarchy society, and it's not, I understand men, and I understand that men want better choices, and they don't want the women out here. I get it. Women out here, a lot of the uh, manosphere said a lot of women out here like to slut in their 20s or something like that, and then they want to try to settle down in their 30s, and they're, uh, they're wanting women to understand that you only have a limited amount of time to get married or have children or whatever, and there's pressure put on these women. Uh, I think through patriarchy means that are not good. Um, I understand wanting women to choose wisely and that you have a certain time period and time frame uh, especially if you want to have children. Um, but today, that's even different. I mean, the, I heard the other day about a 53-year-old having a baby child. I'm listening here. I'm telling you, it's different. I mean, the other day, I'm going to tell you something. I am going through uh, when <laughs> I am going through what I'm going through with my with with my whole thing about um, uh, with my whole um, uh cancer, breast cancer, and I'm I'm going into, I'm doing these things where we're talking about hormonal therapy, where you take pills, and it kind of pushes you into an early menopause. 
I have I am I haven't really started. I've only felt a little couple of things pre men pre menopausal. <laughs> I'm just starting to feel little things now. But um but uh these hormonal pills they you know, they make your uh, sometimes your periods and things like that are things inconsistent and all that stuff, whereas I haven't you know, I haven't mostly been having it. I have mostly had consistent, you know, last several years consistent periods. So I, so in your menopause phase, you start to have inconsistency. And do you know, they say, hey, remember, even if you're older and you're going through these hormonal therapies, be careful because you can still get pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> right? So, like, listen, even for women, it's something weird happening. You know what I'm saying? They, if you still got a period, you feel you might still get do. You know, sometimes women in they in they be thinking they can be free. Yes, it's a lot harder, but sometimes it's like you could end up with a, you know. And I've seen there, I've seen a lot of stories like that lately. So just saying, I'm not saying you know, women are knowing they have there's technology out here. They have great. So women are understanding that. And then you got a lot of women who sometimes just don't want children and all kinds of things are happening in today's society that makes women think different. So I don't think women, the goal is much sometimes for younger women to marry anymore like it used to be, and that is a threat to the patriarchal society, I believe. And I think men don't want to admit this, okay? There, but there's also some things that women don't want to admit. Like men can be, uh, as marrying and men, you, when you're married, there's, you have a wealthier, uh, well, it's, wealth is built better. Men and men tend to uh, uh, build wealth. There's a lot of things in there on both sides, I understand, okay? However, I think that it is dangerous pop for women over 40 to start saying, oh, you the clearance rack out here and all this stuff. Because, listen, there are a number of things that can happen. Having a spouse is not a, is not a guarantee. It is a privilege, okay, if you, if, you, if, if you have one, right? But there's no guarantee that you and that person stay together. I know we like to say till death do the part, but there's no guarantee of that. And there's no guarantee that one of you won't get sick. Or one of you won't pass away. I just had a friend. I had a friend a few years ago who, who was in a marriage. Four years into her marriage, her husband passed away from cancer. Okay, and she probably that she. So she's back out here in the dating game at forty over forty. No, not she's fifty something. Else. Okay. Um. There are women I know who are in the get. I've met 50-some-year-old women who get dates all the time. I think it just depends on the type of woman you are and what you're doing in your life. If you are if you are out here talking about this, I'm on the clearance rack, cow. They say, we on the clearance rack and all that stuff. But if you're a woman who don't bet your life, because when you're over 40, you should be bet your life. Your life should be – when you're over 40 – Listen, in your 20s, you was one to cuddle up, one to date, and all this stuff is part of the landscape of being 20s and stuff like that. But if you find yourself out here single at 40 and 50-some plus, that should not, you old enough to know and mature enough to know that a, a Negro ain't your whole life. And you old enough to know that even if you got a spouse, there's no guarantee 
that you keep them throughout the few, all these years of what you expect, you know, expectation. You know, life is strange, okay? So here's what I would say. Uh, um, To women, don't focus on those results. If you're, I've got a friend right now who is, she got a divorce a few years ago, and she was saying, "Hey, she, you know, this was something." She said she was not because she was not willing to live her life in boredom anymore. Her husband was just not. He was just like, you know, he didn't want to do nothing, so she wanted to. She's like, "I'm out. I'm over it." <laughs> right, and. I see her, she is having one of the most exciting uh, life lifestyles I've seen of someone, a girl who is over 50, and she is looking beautiful, doing her thing, having fun, ain't thinking about nobody, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But she is going to be the type of woman that's going to draw people to her. She's going to meet many different people, because she's well-to-do, she's got it going on and stuff like that. She's going to meet people. She's going to be in places where she can meet somebody. And if she's open to having, getting married to, again, or having a spouse, she will probably more than likely do so. I have a, I, I told you a story last week. She did the same thing that happened to her. She got married older. But listen, women have to quit. You got to quit thinking like that. I'm just, I'm just saying, it's just crazy to start talking about you on the cleanest rack. And if you are on the cleanest rack, okay, people like a good sale. Shit. <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? So listen, I'm just saying I think women do a disservice to themselves, uh, by saying those type of things. Uh, and I think there is this idea that there you are guaranteed a spouse. Like it's like what if you listen? What if you find out you got not that much time in your life to live and your whole focus, just to say you got five more years and you find, and you single and you find out you got five more years in your life. This is the Queen of Pizza had a kind of show like this. I forget the movie like this, but it was like, she thought she was dying and she really wasn't. And she, she, uh, she had, she did all these things she wanted to. It, it was, it was really good. I forget the name of it, but, I think it was last holiday or something like that. I forget the name of it. But uh, but are you going to be just focused on, I ain't got nobody? Like, yeah, you might be sad because you, you, ha- you don't have anybody, but you're going to find that ways, I would think, I would hope, to enjoy the life and the time that you got. Get out and about, see things you've never done, do things that you've never done before and everything. Instead of focusing around your ideas about that child, don't get out here. Just scaring women, scaring people. There might be some woman who's listening to you who's in a bad relationship, and she done got scared to get out the bad relationship because you sitting up here telling her, boy, we on the clearance route out of you. You're just making it. And I think everybody's experience is different. That doesn't mean that it is easy, Okay. That doesn't mean at every stage in your life, it's a different stage. It's a different, um, I mean, you you go through different things. And listen, trust me, it just depends on who you are as a woman, 
what that experience will be like. And maybe you'll get married again, maybe you won't. But you can't come out here sounding scared. They don't tell us. No, they don't. But that's that's just a part of it. I even hear 20-year-olds complaining about the men they got today. Okay? And truth be told, you know, it's hard for you as an older man if you ain't got no money. Like, I mean, and very few older men can pull young girls. I mean, unless they real fine. Okay, unless you Maxwell or something. You know, shit. Listen, if they, you ain't looking like you ain't looking like. Listen, if you ain't looking like Max, then let me tell you why you getting a young girl. Okay, because they trap your doll. <laughs> if you up here, if you know you looking, and you getting a pull on a bunch of young girls, I'm gonna tell you right now, these young girls, you must be you sugar daddy. Okay, I'm really trying to tell you, he probably daddy too. At fifty, oh, fifty some years old, he's pulling young girls. I'm, I'm just saying, you diddy, daddy. Listen, young girls attracted to me at dollars. Okay, or they think they got dollars. Okay, so young, so young Miami is interested in Diddy because Diddy got eight hundred million dollars in his pocket. Same shit. I was in my twenties. We be talking like, girl, that's a sugar daddy right there. Even if they, if you get a fine sugar daddy, that's even better. Did are y'all watching? Has anybody watched Beverly Hills? I mean, what's the house? What's the medicine? Married to medicine. And uh, the girl is married to, um, I mean, the girl's marrying uh, the uh, the older guy on Married to Medicine. I forget the uh, uh, the one of the, the the women on the show, unmarried. I don't watch Married to Medicine a lot, but one of the women on the show uh, divorced the guy, and just, he started dating this young younger girl, and her name was Sweet Tea or something like that. Now, Sweet Tea, you can tell, is on the come up. He done come, made her come up, okay? He done brought her up. You, you, you know what I'm saying? And Sweet Tea looked like, you know, she's entering into a lifestyle that's very different from the one she was at. I ain't mad at her. And so she's in this group. So she's talking to the women on the reality show, and she's in a group for younger women who go after older men. <laughs> I who date older men, the women, all the older women on the show, you know, they had trips. They, like, they was like, what's that about or whatever, you know, what, it, it, it was weird. So they was all like, you know, like, okay. So they are all being suspicious. And then there was a part where she said, they said, what are you looking forward to? And I can't remember her exact words, so don't quote me on it. But they asked her what was she looking forward to when she married this guy. And she said, <laughs> She said the money or the checkbook or something. <laughs> and they was like, what? <laughs> I think I'd run, I'd give him his money or access to the money or something like that. I forget what she said. It was something crazy. And all of it was like, what? Now, he was married to a girl he had been married to for years, okay, before on the show. And they got a divorce. They never had children. Immediately, what do you think this young girl trying to do? What do you think she's trying to do? She's trying to have babies. Why? Why? Why do you think she's trying to have babies, man? Access, financial. And this dude, he's all right looking. I said, listen, CT, understand the doc. She understands the doc. So, listen, I'm not saying she don't care about the man. I'm just saying that when you are older guy, it's hard. It would be harder for older men if they didn't carry a bag. A lot, a lot of times, older women who carry a bag, 
men are not so interested in being, um, oh, God, I don't want to sound, uh, I don't want to make y'all mad at me, but men are not so interested as a women in Women look, we're naturally more prone to look for provision. That's not saying that women ain't out here doing their own thing and providing for themselves and all that stuff too. But women are more likely to look for men for building. Men like to be providers. Most of them don't like women who got a lot of money. A lot of times men be intimidated by that, having a sugar mama and stuff like that. Men like, oh, you know, men eventually that men don't tend to like even if they get, it's, I'm not saying there's not people in relationships that have sugar mamas. There's plenty of them. But a lot of times the dynamic is very different from a man taking care of a young girl. Okay? It's very, it's a very different dynamic. So I wouldn't say it's just hard. It's not hard for me. And that's over 50. Because they really, I mean, you know, it's probably hard for them to find genuinely someone who really likes them. And I think if they do find it, you have to be exceptional looking. Like, you know, like Morris Chest <laughs> or like Maxwell, like I said, Maxwell, like you, like you, he's fine. I can see how he can pull some youngers. But as they probably talk to him, they probably like, this old ass nigga, you know what I'm saying? Because they probably think, you know, they ain't saying that to him. Are you... You, or he may be, you, he kind of got a youthful vibe or something like that, but I would think they probably be like this old-ass nigga in his head, though, because I know how I was when I was young. I wasn't saying old-ass nigga, but I did think, God, he's old. He's a lot older than me. <laughs> right, I was. Man, I was like, this older. Because I, I remember I was dating a guy that was older when I was in my 20s, like early 20s, and it was going good. But, I, you know, I still was like, he's old. You know, and I was like, shit. I had not introduced him to my grandparents or nothing. He, and, he, you know, he wanted to be my friend. I was like, uh-uh, because my grandfather would be like, this old I know my grandfather be talking fish. <laughs> like, man, you better get, you get his old ass out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was, my grandfather was just get off, right? And the dude was like, I was probably about 22, and he was about 36, 37, or something like that. So much older than me. Not much, but he was about 15, 16 years older. Great guy. Okay. Had banks. Doing well for himself. Everything like that. My friends were like, yeah, you're My friends, cha-ching. <laughs> it was decent looking, right? But I still could see, you know, you could still tell the level of maturity was like, mm, it, was, it was a big difference. So when the guy says to me, I want you to meet my kids, he had two children from his marriage. I was like, mm, mm, And one of the kids, he got married young. Maybe he was about 17 years old, 16, 17 years old than me. He got married young. So one of the kids was not that much younger than me. I freaked up. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not. This is not. This, he's too old. <laughs> Some men would say, girl, you might as well say that. No, no, I just knew there was that. That was just not going to work. I was just not mature. I was like, oh, my God, that's crazy. 
You know, I mean, it, it just didn't. And so sometimes I, sometimes I don't think, sometimes women, there is that, but that is that immature gap there that you have to look at. I had a friend who did get married to an older guy who had a bag and stuff like that. But within the marriage, she started acting a damn fool after a little bit. After she started growing up. You know what I'm saying? Because so, <laughs> she was too young when she got married to a man. <laughs> and when he started getting older, like if certain things started happening, you know what I'm saying? He didn't do, he wasn't moving as fast and all that stuff like that. You know, it was a rat. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. I don't, women, I say it's hard on both sides. Don't just think it's hard for you. I know little Devon is up making me think it's hard for women, but it's hard for you old men too. You old men out there who think you pulling young girls like that, it's very few old men that's genuinely pulling young girls. <laughs> I mean, like, if you get. Like, if you're pulling them, you got to be fine. I mean, you got to be super fine. And, or if you, I like, you, you know, like, if you like this, what's the, if you like, the, if you older, like, you got a woman that's over 40 and you 65, that might be genuine because women are, you know, it's an older, it's a different space in it or whatever. But if you really out here, you know, the first thing these young girls going to do, okay, I'm telling you right now, the first thing they're going to do is get pregnant, okay, because that's the cha-ching. I would tell you, cha-ching, you know, marry his old ass, get, round up that estate. <laughs> y'all be laughing every time about the estate plan. No, I'll be serious. Uh, you know, if you're going to be, you know, it's, yeah, you found very few men, but do you, you find very few men nowadays, though, who are... 50 plus or older or older, over 35 who don't have children. Like, whoa, if you find that, now that's pretty good. Like, yeah, I mean, and I would start questioning stuff. I'd be like, well, I never had a kid. what happened now? And, you know, I had to ask questions. Because if you're over 50, and you, I mean, if you're over 35 and you haven't had children, can I be, but then there's some men who don't want children. Right, there's some men who do not want a family. Like, I have a friend right now who is married. They're married. They're over thirty. They don't want kids. They're like, nope, kids. I like that's gonna mess with my lifestyle. I don't have the children. We're over. We're we're not. We're, you know, I don't have children. So it's so I I think that it just depends on the lifestyle or who because some people don't want them. They're like, I ain't trying. Or some people say it's not that I don't want children. It's just that I never I never accustomed my life to it. So I know people like that too. It's not that I don't want children. I just never cussed in my life and I like life the way it's going. And that's not, um, you know, interesting. So it just depends. I'm just saying women out here, you're going to have to start not stop thinking that, um, stop thinking that you can't get a man because you're over 40 or over 35. Okay. Uh, it's slim. Picking, uh, maybe you'll have to adjust how you date and how you see things. But I wouldn't necessarily just saying I'm on the clearance rack and just start dogging myself. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I'm just saying it's just a different dating experience than in your 20s. In your 20s, I mean, I, people will say they kissed a lot of frogs. Okay, 20s is a, a crazy ass time to do relationships. Okay, so I'll just say that. All right. So yeah, so I don't I don't think that just that's an experience. Um, 
I think people are saying you have so many different types coming at you, but it just depends on your lifestyle and how you live it. That's how I say that, okay? I say that and expect it to be different. You should be expecting it to be different if you're over a certain age. Quit downing yourself to think that, like, you out here, like, you giving out warning signals. <laughs> like, warning women, oh, don't come out here, girl, it's too much, it's too much. Any woman, if they're think, if you're thinking, if you're if you're a woman right now and you're like in a relationship with somebody or you're going through a relationship and you're like, listen, I've been thinking about getting out of my relationship or it's not going well or whatever. Okay, so figure out why you want to get out. Are you sure you want to get out? Are you sure that you, you know it's the eighty twenty rule? You have most of the so you have to ask that if you're twenty five. And with somebody for a long time, you know, or 30 or something like that. I say don't waste your time a lot, but if you, you, uh, when you're 40 some years old, you, you do have to ask a lot of questions because if you're in a marriage or a relationship, typically there is more things going on in marriages and relationships, uh, in marriages than just love. There's partnership financially, uh, uh, property-wise, spiritual-wise, family-wise. There's so much to think about, okay? So they, that has, that move, those moves have to be done wisely. And typically when women women divorce, they end up a lot poorer, okay? So those are things that you really have. That is a part of the dating experience that women over 35 and 40 have to think about if they're going to become single. For women who are already over 35 and single and stuff like that, well, your dating range is going to change as you get older, and it should because you're becoming more mature. And your lifestyle is changing. And you're not the same chick that you were in your 20s. That doesn't mean these men try to insult you and say, oh, you ain't getting none because these young girls out here, you know what I'm saying. They, they, these young girls out here doing, you can't compete with them. Oh, man, well, you can't either. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Oh, these, you know why they tell you that? And here's another thing I think, too, that happens. These young, older women, older women are looking like fire today. Like, these, these old women do not look like back in the day. This is <laughs> this ain't no like like your grandma look back like nineteen eighty, you know, big mama's house go, big mama's men, they got their head buns up and they No, these young these old women are fly as hell. Okay, they look at more beautiful. They're coming into more of their own. They're starting to enjoy um singleness and I think that threatens patriarchy society, male society. And I think men don't want to admit that. They then they start to try to be insulting. Oh, nobody wants an old woman, or nobody wants this and that. Like you know, I had one friend where her one of her family members told her she is beautiful, okay, gorgeous, looks young, just gorgeous, and she was going through a situation with her partner, and he said. To her, uh, you don't want to be out here in these streets and stuff like that. Nobody, instead of listening to her and seeing, hey, well, what's going on? Are you happy, sis, or sis, the future life? Get you? He says, you don't want to be the old woman in the club. I'm like, who said she was going to a club? But he was being insulting, trying to be, she don't even look, oh, she's gorgeous. I'm talking about gorgeous, okay? 
So I'm like, and and you having me and hawking her, period. So I'm like, what kind of shit is that? But it's the patriarchy feeling threatened by women not needing marriage, the structure of marriage in the way that it was 40 years ago. I think people still want marriage and love and relationship, but people not needing the structure of marriage like they did, like women did. Whereas 40 years ago, if you were single, 50, 50 years ago, if you were single over 30, they call you an old mate. Today they don't do that. Right? Women be out here, they be moving, they be doing their own thing, they be traveling, they be and that that makes a lot of men who certain not all men, but a lot of men feel threatened. And so then comes these bash of insults towards women to make them try to see, Oh, you know, you this is you know, you you this, you this and that, you didn't I it, it, it makes them um and it makes younger girls feel the pressure to uh, pressure to marry uh, marry quickly, okay? And a lot of times it'll be in the manosphere. It'll be older guys who have never been married, no offense, but they'll be talking about uh, the young women and all that stuff because a lot of times they're trying to get these young girls to control them. You know what I'm saying? Because they can't they can't be with a grown adult, okay? So a lot of times when you see men Certain ages, like, okay, let me give you an example. I always try to give y'all celebrity examples, but Diddy, okay? I mean, Diddy is consistent. It's a lot of them, but Diddy, okay, when you're a celebrity in show business and stuff, it's different, okay? Because you, you, it's a useful uh, business, okay? But you see dudes like Diddy, damn near 60, <laughs> and they consistently dating young girls like you like you like 22 25 lori Hurt. when i saw his old ass lori Hurt, it was like what is he doing i mean you consistently see them with young girls now first of all i would say yes they have the finances and stuff for them but then you ask why don't they date older women now what the male spirits would say is older women have carry a lot of baggage like they don't have baggage okay you got baggage you got kids a lot of kids or whatever but that's not the case a lot of times it's the maturity. A lot of times these dudes don't stop at thirty. Are they? Are they? They. They haven't got gone past a certain point, and so their mental can only deal with twenty-five year olds and thirty-year-olds and stuff like that. Not all men, but a lot of these guys. Okay, and uh, sometimes older women present to you have to come up in your maturity level. Okay in order to uh, uh, date older women. Older women are more forward. Everything's on the table. It is what's what, <laughs> you know, it is what it is and all that stuff. So it's a very different experience for for men who are not mature to come into. It's an intimidating experience for them to want to date an older woman or a woman their age because a lot of times men, even though they're over 40, they're still back at 20-some years old. And there's some women who still who have that experience too, okay? So I just feel like uh, some things I see manosphere is right about, some things I don't think they're right about. Some things, you know, uh, I think there's middle ground for everything. But I thought this was interesting, okay? Very interesting. So women, I think your experience is different for depending on who you are, okay? 
Okay, what else did I want to talk about? Okay, we're going to take a break real quick. And when I come back, we're going to talk about Dwayne Johnson and his new venture. And uh, then we're going to talk about uh, the topic I wanted to talk to you about. Hold on. Um, let's see, what else was that? I don't know how these, I don't know what things are. I want to talk about Dave Chappelle and what he said about Cat Williams this week. And, uh, we're going to talk about this TikTok couple too. We got a lot to talk about, okay? A, a lot of things to uh, talk about. Meanwhile, we'll listen to a little bit of music. Uh, let's listen to, we want to listen to y'all. Let's listen to um, Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Who are y'all gonna listen to? Okay. Okay, I know what y'all listen to. Just listen to Donald Jones. You know that I love you. I'll be back in a moment. Okay. <laughs> You're not here with me now. 
not meant to be made alone. Can I come through and see? Will you receive me? I'm shooting all my shots. I won't miss them. No. Oh, I'm giving all I got. Never ever let this go. Oh, no, no. And if I hit that spot, accept the mission and go Okay, 
you know, I got to talk about Jennifer Hudson. Now, I don't watch the talk show. I, I can do it. I can't do it. I, I'm no offense to you, Jennifer. Okay, I just, I mean, you know. <sighs> this week, Jennifer had comment on. And I'm like, oh, Lord, Jennifer, don't do it. Don't tell nobody. Tell nobody. <laughs> Jennifer and Common have, you know, let everybody know their date. And now, I'm going to tell you something. I think Common's trying to hang with her, okay? What's Common? A Pisces? Okay, there are two types of, there's almost two to three types of Pisces men, okay? There's the loyal Pisces men who are romantics and stuff that are loyal. And there's the lion romantics, right? And then there is, uh, uh, I, you know, any man who has Pisces in their chart, you have to be like, woo! <laughs> you got to see what kind of Pisces they are. <laughs> right? And then you have the Pisces that's just hope. <laughs> but one thing about Pisces is they got all a bit towards romanticism, right? They Pisces are romantic. They're romantic of the, the Zodiac. They're the romancers. <laughs> Oh, common, common, common. <laughs> common announces this week that he and Jennifer Hudson on Jennifer Hudson show are a couple. So let's listen to them uh, talk about them being a couple. Okay, let's pull this up. I'm in a relationship that is one of the most beautiful people I ever met in life. She's she's smart. She loves God. She has something real down to earth about her. Um, She's talented. But but I set set my standard kind of high because she had to have a neat guy. She had to win a lot on her first movie. I set my standard high. She had to get her own talk show. Oh, okay. Now, we got to get down to business, Mr. Common. I'm a host, and so I have to ask you this question, because everybody always want to know this. Are you dating anyone? Jennifer, listen. Now, one hope, the hope I got for Common is that, you know, listen, you know, and I see how Common's fine, right? Common's fine. <sighs> Oh, and I see how you get you. Listen, listen, listen. Listen. Oh, my God. It's a list, okay, Jennifer? You do know there's a list, okay? There's a list. How many of them? It's Serena, Angela Rye. Uh, who else? There's been a lot of Erica. But this, and listen, listen. Let me, I'm telling It's your eyes still green, girl. <laughs> I used to know that's one. What's the cup coast to be, baby? Yeah, you did. I know that's about Erica, but do. Is your eyes still green, girl? What's he? You dealing with this water, love? What? What? Because they both Pisces. He was out there about Erica Badu there. <laughs> oh, that's the only one. That's the one. I think. Listen, listen. No, no, that Pisces had him. That Pisces had him. But, yeah, but this is come close to me, babe. Babe, where he, where he do the. Uh, the the oh I used to love that video because they would do he was doing the girl was uh, deaf I thought it was such a cute concept and that's when I first was like damn coming fine hey what what he what I cut with the come close to me baby with Mary J's out in the 
sing, poor singing or whatever. And, and, and the whole song is about Erica Badu, but he uses his whole dead. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. It's about Erica. You know, we dealing with this wild love or something, something, something. I know you something, something, something. Uh, 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 I, I feel like Erica was like Erica. Was. Listen, I'm going to just tell the truth. I feel like Erica jacked him up. I ain't going to lie. I don't think he wanted to leave Erica. I think he would be content to be married to Erica Badu right now. Being a stepdad and having about two or three more kids by her. I wonder why she never had no kid with Thomas, which is interesting. You know, because she had them baby rappers. She be having them rapper kids. So I wonder why them two Pisces didn't make nothing. That's interesting. What happened there? That Pis- See, Pisces women are different. Now, they'll dip on your ass if you're doing too Because, you know, Pisces women got a little bit more edge. They, and they... They romantics of the day, but they don't think people call Pisces women. Now, I don't want to dog y'all because Pisces women don't get mad. But some, sometimes people think of y'all as the hoes of the Zodiac because Pisces women are a little bit more, um, their romanticism causes them to attach quickly or something in a different way, but they still a little bit of rough riders. <laughs> oh, let me shut up here. here. All I'm saying is this. Common... I don't know if I take him seriously with any chick besides Erica Badu. I, 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 and, and, and I really think that, here's what I think, Jennifer. I think with you, you're from Chicago. I think he likes the aesthetics of you, where you're from. Everything. He's getting older. He needs to rethink. Re, you know, he's probably trying to rethink. Listen, just be careful, Jennifer. Okay, that's all I say. Have a chart, industry pulled on him. See, you know, see what he's really about. I encourage women to get the charts full. <laughs> you going to get sick. If you like somebody, are you thinking about them, baby? Pull they chart. <laughs> and I would say, um, I don't know if common playing in her face or not. See, I need I need Apollonia to do one on Cap. Because Apollonia, you listening, do one on common. And Jennifer Hudson, you need to know if he's playing in her face, Okay. Yeah, she we I've seen people do one on Kelsey, uh, Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I ain't gonna say I'm just gonna hope for the best Taylor. But synastries will tell you a lot about people, okay? If you pull their synastries <laughs> you'll be like now that doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean that you know, that that a synastry chart doesn't mean that you guys like you know, won't like, it'll tell you things you need to work on in a relationship, okay? So you can know if somebody has certain things or certain habits, if they're couch chasers, stuff like that. If you know, if you, you know, you, you, you should pull a chart. I just always tell people that. I think you should pull a chart. I think Jennifer Hudson should do this with Common. I think Common has dated so many famous women that I'm wondering, because he's a Pisces and he's fixated a little bit on the famous girl. And I'm wondering, Tiffany Haddish, I forgot about that. So I'm more, and, and listen, he likes, Pisces men love women who are very strong, okay? They do. They tend to, that's why they tend to come for Scorpios and stuff like that because they tend to love our Aries women or stuff like that. They tend to, because they're, you know, they tend to like women that have a masculine being. Um, Where's Jennifer? Let me look at Jennifer Hudson. I can see her chart real quick. Chad, because I'm like, I don't know, Jennifer. 
Uh, let's see. I need to figure out what Jennifer is. Uh, she's a Virgo. Interesting. That might be. That's an interesting mix. Uh, her moon is in Pisces. Okay. Sitting on next to her. That cusp for Aries. Mm, ah. Interesting. I can see how she can... Um, I can see how common can kind of take her. She kind of got that moon in the Aquarius. She's on that Aquarius cusp and type. Listen, I, you know, you know, here's the thing with Pisces males. Uh, it's very hard to tell if you're special because their Pisces men are like that with everybody. <laughs> You know, because Pisces males are the romantics of the zodiac. So I, I, that's why I said she should pull a synastry chart on him and find out what he's like. Find out what kind of, of, of especially if it's a very different mood for you. If For women out there, men out there, sometimes you got to pull a chart on people, you know, to see. I mean, you really, really do. Especially if they're a Pisces male. I say Pisces males. Gemini's, you know, definitely put a fucking chart on the Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> they say the same thing about those Scorpios. Pull a chart. <laughs> but no, no. I was just say pull a chart on everybody just to determine their industry and see maybe what kind of, or, or maybe if they're serious or if that could be possible, or, you know, the couple could be. I don't know, you know, I'm a little, mm, I hope it works out for them. That's all I'm going to say, okay? All right, so the the Oscars, which I pay no attention to, have come in, I guess guess people nominated for this year. Now, one thing I am very proud of that I love that they have nominated, even though I don't pay no attention to the Oscars, for Best Actor, and I haven't seen it yet, I got to watch it, American fiction Jeffrey Wright. Listen, let me tell you something about Jeffrey Wright. I don't agree with Jeffrey Wright's politics, but let me just say this because I see him talking political on Twitter. But I will say this that is one of the dopest actors. So many people don't know about. I mean, dudes play Muddy Waters. Uh, did he play, um, he even played, uh, what's he played one time? Um, uh, what's the dude years ago in his younger years? He played, uh, what's the payment? I forget his what's the the Haitian Puerto Rican. I forget his name. Why? I don't forget this. I almost had his name and I forgot it. But he's played so many people, and Jeffrey Wright has been to me overlooked so many times in the actors' field. I mean. Uh, he is a tremendous actor. So I am so happy for him that he is being uh, nominated for um, for American fiction. Good for him, okay? Uh, deserves it. Well deserved. I mean, I just feel like they, they often uh, 
overlook look him and he is I mean, just to me one of the um most underrated actors in um one of the most underrated ra- a- a- actors in uh, in film today, and a lot of people tend to uh, overlook him, but uh, really good. Okay, uh, let's see um, who else got nominated. So a lot of y'all was talking about Fantasia. Let me just say this, okay? And this is no diss to Fantasia. I like Fantasia a lot, but just, you know, I only saw a couple of. Uh, uh, slides and trailers from uh, uh, Color Purple. I'm not interested in seeing Color Purple whatsoever. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. But uh, I'll just say this. Uh, Fantasia fat one of my favorite singers of all time. Powerful, okay? Uh, Acting. I like her. I think she, she'll get better in time. Uh, but I don't think nomination for best actress or best support, no, okay, not yet, but no, okay. Uh, actor in a supporting role, uh, Sterling K. Brown got nominated, good actor too, so this is good. Uh, but I like Oppenheimer. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I like Oppenheimer for a lot of choices. Um, Daniel Brooks is actress in a supporting role. She looks like she could be very fire on screen but on the little part I saw her in. Um, best picture what they have, American fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, the Holdovers, Killers of the Sour Moon, Mastro, Oppenheimer. Uh Oppenheimer probably win that. Okay. So listen, yeah, so it's very interesting. Um uh, yeah. Okay. I I care less. I won't be watching the Oscars. But, uh, you know, I might see him in passing as I'm passing by the champ, okay? But, yeah, I, you know, I'm glad that they are recognizing him. I can't lie on that. I, Jeffrey Wright deserves all the flowers. He's, 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 he is cold, okay? Uh, I saw something else on a little wild page, okay? He's talking about, uh, he was talking about, Breakfast Sub. And he said, y'all be hating on the Breakfast Sub. Bill Laval has great subjects on his page, if you ever pay any attention to him on his Instagram. He says, y'all be hating on the Breakfast Sub like it ain't our culture's biggest platform we got left. If they end, where else y'all gonna go promote? As hot as y'all think y'all favorite podcast is, it's none of them uh, on the Breakfast Sub level. Statistically, facts, not an opinion. Or, or has diverse uh, and consistent for our culture as a whole. I disagree with him. Um, I, you are first of all, you are in the age of Aquarius. You are also in the age. You're also Pluto is entering into Aquarius in like about a month here, month a couple months. Um, very much a change of landscape. Radio is good. Almost. I mean, people listen to it, but like maybe on their way to work in the morning, or if they're going out somewhere in the morning. Radio is not the same. Matter of fact, when I'm in my car, I listen to series most of the time. I don't even, I don't even pay no attention to what's going on. I mean, that's the closest to radio I get. I love series. Um, I feel like uh, the Breakfast Club is not the same. You got It's hard to maintain your edge when you become friendly with the celebrities. You know, it's hard to maintain 
You know, I used to understand why Wendy Williams, they said Wendy Williams' husband never wanted her to be friends with celebrities because she couldn't do her job effectively. That that's because when you're friends, they can you know you and you got to talk about celebrity gossip and all that stuff. It's hard. They kind of like well, or you got to give your opinion on something, and one of your friends don't like it and stuff like that. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And I think what's happening, and that's what I think that's what's happened in the talk show. Um, changed so much with the introduction of the podcast because a lot of podcasters are fans or audience members or people or society critics who are just telling their opinion on pop culture every day and stuff like that. And a lot of people like to tune in to hear it because they relate more to the podcaster, okay? Podcasters not out all the parties and stuff, and if they are, you know, they understand they have a job to do. People like, um, like even when we talk about people like Tasha K, uh, same thing. And here's what I'll say on this note, because a lot of people, we were, we were talking this week about the lawsuits going on and stuff like that. Because uh, even Kevin Hart is suing her now because one of his assistants is on there talking and stuff. Here's what I'll say to black celebrity, and I don't know what's going on. I, sometimes I don't think, I wonder if the celebrity is behind, the push behind uh, these lawsuits, but here's what I'll say. I understand Cardi B's lawsuit, but if I was her, I'd even drop it because, you know, who wants to keep spending money on that kind of stuff? And it just holds up your life. It's it, it, it's something it does. You know what I'm saying? So what if they, you know, somebody's saying stuff? We used to be sure celebrities would address it and gone. But I think what's, what maybe black celebrities not understanding even if people are putting you up to do defamation lawsuits and stuff, and I understand because you're in the age of – because what used to happen in control in Hollywood was a controlled celebrity gossip, okay? What people don't understand is sometimes back in the days when you would see tabloids, inquirers and stuff like that used to act in the way of the blogger now, like the inquirer and stuff like that. What you didn't know is a lot of time publicists, and people who work with the celebrities would call these places up and say, "Hey, you know Michael Jackson sleeping with the Elephant Man bones." They, you know, they tell, they feed the public and they feed the stories to these publications a lot of times. So a lot of times you'd have publicists and stuff working because good any because it used to be any kind of publicity is good publicity, long their names out there and all that stuff, okay? And so they so there was a really weird thing of especially in the eighties and nineties of working with the uh, um with they, so the certain types of magazines and stuff today. Now today you have the bloggers, okay? And bloggers are a lot less controlled. They're not, you know, they don't have as sometimes the relationships with publishers and stuff like that. And so um, when they find out information, they go out and they tell it. Whereas before, people would call up inquire, maybe sometimes would offer them money not to tell the story, all kind of things allegedly that would happen back in those days. I would say this, okay, black celebrities are in a very sticky place because the blogs in some sense has made black celebrity way more popular than it used to be because a lot of times back in the day, those magazines and things like that didn't pay much attention to you. And now with the emergence of the black blogs and stuff like that, you get good publicity and you get bad publicity, okay? 
But when you start setting precedent through courts and all this stuff, the more I think you'll start to hurt the blogger, the podcaster, and stuff like that, and you'll hurt yourselves in the end, too. Because if you are narrowed down to where only there are only magazines out here like um, TMZ or different things talking about you, then it will forget a whole segment of black, black, the black show business population, right? So it should be very interesting to see how these cases, even with Tasha K, go, because I don't think that people see this, the ideas of setting precedent. Sometimes I even am suspicious. I even go, and that's not the dog Tasha K or nothing, but I'm like, hmm, because she, you know, she stubbornly doesn't get off of some of the things, lawsuits that come against her. Where and I'm like, why she just don't erase it, or why she don't just do away with that? But Sometimes I, sometimes I don't know if people are working together to set precedents because, listen, it, we live in a crazy world, okay? So it, so our powers that be are trying to set precedents to get bloggers and podcasters out the way and to get more control of, back control of the way things are. But in that process, you know, I think black, what I'm trying to say is I think black bloggers and black podcasters, even though they can come with uh, things that um, – that sometimes are not always good for the celebrities, but they have made black celebrity more powerful than ever before. And you would not have that power if there wasn't for podcasters, bloggers, not just places like the Breakfast Club, bloggers, podcasters, people talking about you from that. I mean, I talk about some celebrities on here that nobody talks about. Okay. So, that, I mean, it, it, it makes, and there are some podcasters I know do the same thing. Okay, so, you know, and, and, and I think Tasha Kay gives uh, things to black celebrity that's never uh, been, you know. So, you know, it's a two-edged sword. Very interesting one, though, but it is really uh, that thing. But, however, I, Breakfast Club and stuff like that, no, I don't think it's the only last bastion of radio. I don't, I don't even listen to Breakfast Club no more. I don't know, you know. I don't know if it's just I just don't have time. I mean, I don't pay attention that much. But yeah, I you know no, I don't. Maybe it's relevant to the celeb, but I don't think it's relevant as much relevant to the listener anymore. And it happens. Everything has its day, right? So you know. Yeah, but I disagree, I disagree with that, what he said on that, that note. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's, uh, that we would be lost without the Breakfast Club, okay? <laughs> and that's no offense to them. They had their moment, but I just I just think there is uh, you know, I think that, you know, uh, actually now more you you seeing more podcasters, you know, get celebrities and stuff like that. I just think that that age is probably over for. If you do a morning show, it has to be edgy. You can't do um, Breakfast Club anymore. It has to be like Joe Button, Joe Rogan. You have to do a You know, people get mad at Joe Button because he has an opinion, but. Um, it is what it is. 
speaking of somebody who got mad at Joe Button this week, should we talk about it for, for a minute? Let's talk about her. Uh, and pull her up. Here he is. Oh, God. You know, let's talk about it for a second. Eric Lewis threatens to sue. Joe Button says he's a failure like Drake said. Okay. Oh, Lord. The Sunshine has threatened to sue. Eric Lewis has some words for Joe Button. The Sunshine has threatened to sue podcast as he criticized her recent comments about touring with rapper Rod Wade. I was never comfortable. I just remember every show just racing to get off stage, racing to get through my set, she expressed at the time. Um, let's see. Eric makes it clear she is not afraid to take legal action against Joe in order to prevent him from speaking on her in the future, uh, uh, speaking, speaking on her, her further. I don't know what Joe Budden's obsession is with me, but I will say that somebody needs to tell him to stop touching the dog she's in. He's weird and he's gross. He has a smoked mouth. He's disgusting and he's a failure, like Drake said. While on Instagram Live, she continued, I can't ever, can't just ever, can't just express what's going on with me without him coming from behind the landfill that he is in saying something. This man, man has never, ever in life validated the truth. He just loves to oppose everybody. No, he's a critic of pop culture. He'll never acknowledge the truth. I can't just ever talk to people with, without him just being psychotic. So I'd be a senior then threatened to spend 20000 to see Joe Budden to stop him from speaking on her. Okay. Joe's response to Eric's comment via his podcast for Food Her Times. He says, I don't fuck dogs. I'm not here to talk to people who believe I abuse the very women I've taken care of. It's just not who I am. It's not who what I've been. Okay, let me just say this about Erie. Erie, I don't think you understand this, and I and I said this before about you because what it's not, it may not be you, but it may have, be how the press shapes you, and you have to be so careful out here when you, you know, that's why I say sometimes people maybe you you got to ask your, yourself some questions. Are you wanting to be in the recording industry? And I'll be trying to tease people. She's been one of the or very artists. She probably be mad at me, you know. You know, saying you fail, you sit, you sitting at home, you ain't this, you ain't. Doing. She probably have lots of. It's it just it, it. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing. I always ask people, do you want to be seen at the donut shop, the local jazz shop, club, or whatever? Because when we hear you, it seems like. You're always sad by the things of the industry for you. Every time I've heard Eric Lynch or the press has put out things about you, it hasn't been, I, I think you don't understand how they're shaping your image out here. You look like you're unhappy that your end is not bringing you joy. And so whenever people hear you or they say something about you, it seems like you're complaining. And it makes people question whether you, do you really want to be in the music business? Because, you know, which is a real fair thing, just because you can sing. And it doesn't mean he's a failure. There's a lot of people who who got in the music business or started off in the music business and said, hey, it's not for me.
just because you think and sing. There's a lot of people out here can sing. It don't mean the music business is for them. Maybe they want to sing in their donut shop. Or maybe they want to sing their little baby at home. Or maybe they want to be a music school teacher. Or lots of things. There could be a number of things you can do with your voice. And so the question I have for Ari Lennox, because she always seems to be having a sad experience through that business, do you really want to be in that business? Is that something that's for you? It's no sense of suing Joe Budden because he says his opinion that he thinks, he kind of made it sound like, you know, you sound like you're always complaining. And I think that's how they're shaping you. So the question becomes is, what do you want? We don't ever, we don't see much of good experiences for you. So we want to kind of know what is it that you want. We want to see you happy. We want to see you having joy and expressing good energy. So when we see you out here always complaining, you know, the first time I heard an Eric Lennox complaining was she didn't, she was going to quit the music business and she didn't win a Soul Train Award. That's what people were saying out here. So I'm like, really? Fucking really? I mean, <laughs> So that to me sounds like, hey, I'm not that attached to this thing. I don't really need it. So I just will say to her, this is not anything to get angry at him for expressing his opinion. I think it's probably saying you need to say, wait a minute, how am I coming across to people by expressing this? doesn't mean that you can't express yourself and have freedom to express yourself. It's just how you do it. And am I communicating effectively with my audience where my audience understands that I have complaints, but I love what I do. I'm grateful for what I do. I'm grateful for our audience. I understand you got to go through some uncomfortable spots to do what I do. And I wouldn't have it no other way. But you don't sound like that. You sound like, it just sounds bad. It's just that really you sound like you sound... Like you should sing it at the local club, a donut shop, and maybe be happy. Cruise shit. And that's not being this. That's not no this because these people are going to do the cruise. I know a lot, very talented people who sing on cruise ships in Vegas and sing everywhere. No way. It's not. Some people don't want to deal with the music business. It's a lot. And I understand your complaints, area. I'm not. I, I understand when you feel mad because you should have won a, a, a Soul Train Award. And you didn't, you didn't get it. And somebody probably shouldn't have got it, got it. But that's the shit you deal with in, in, in that fucking business. That, that business is really unfair at times. And it takes a lot of scrappiness and hard, hard stuff to get, get to your time. And when you at your time, it's a crazy thing, space you in. I respect it. I respect everything you're saying. My thing is, though, you seem to not be enjoying the journey. You seem to be letting those little, those, those mini setbacks to get you to your time fuck you up. So it makes me wonder, is this for you? And, and listen, I understand everybody probably asked that question at one time. And then they stop complaining and get on their grind. But I just never hear that about you. I hear it, and I think that's what Joe Budden is saying. He is constantly, he, he was nice about it in the end. But I feel like he's constantly here. The first thing you went to when Joe Budden was saying what he said to you, the first thing you start talking about is suing somebody to keep their name out your mouth. I'm like, listen, you in show business. How you going to keep critics' name out your mouth because you don't like what they say? You in the business 
of you in the business of show business and people critique you will critique you all the time. Can you handle that? Talking about I'm a fool somebody, it, there's a difference when you say, Joe, let me respond back to Joe. Now, that's not what blah, 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 blah. But you say, I'm a fool, like a little fool. Like, yeah, I'm a fool when you say, keep his name out of my mouth. Like, you can't hear no credit forms of criticism. And so I'm wondering if you two might be fragile and not need to deal in it right now, the business right now. And it's, it's so, that's okay. Ain't nobody mad at that. I'm just saying, this is what we're hearing from you or how they're shaping you. Your image. And, you know, you're very talented. I'm just saying, doesn't mean you have to do it. Maybe you should rethink, is that this really what I want to do? Because working in the music business is very different from uh, maybe being a school teacher, a music teacher, something like that. Sometimes people ain't interested in that. Okay, so I say, just because you can sing doesn't mean you need to be in the business. Okay? That's my personal opinion, okay? And Ari Lennox, in my personal opinion, might need to reach where she needs to be because the way we hear her all the time sound is like she's complaining. And she don't like the shit she's doing. Now, of course, you're not going to like parts of it, and parts are going to be uncomfortable, but dang, that's all they do is show your complaint. Okay? So, very interesting, all right? Dave Shapiro. Dave came for Cat, and y'all came for Dave. Okay? Which was surprising because I usually don't come for Dave, but for Cat, y'all came for Dave. Okay? But this is from Verity. Magazine Variety Magazine says they should calls out Cat Williams for distant other black comedians. Why are you drawing drawing ugly pictures of us? Okay, they should has shared his thoughts on Cat Williams' recent um, Cub Shay Shay interview in which Williams insults other black comedians. Chappelle spoke about Williams going on stage on Monday race at the Hollywood Improv on Friday, an event hosted by comedian uh, D Ray Davis. Although Chappelle's sets are known for strict no-phone policy settings of his set where the comedian criticizes Williams and circulated uh, on social media. He says, what part of the game is this? Okay. He only uh, either niggas. He didn't say anything about any of those white boys. None of these white boys function like that, Chappelle said Williams during his set. Cat is one of the best painters in the game, so why are you drawing ugly pictures of us? Stop. Okay, uh, he said, hurt people, hurt people, but I'm hurt. I'm a hurt person that never hurt people, and he does it all the time. Fuck this one. Fuck that one. Fuck this one, Chappelle said, impersonating Williams. But, nigga, I didn't hear anything you did that you did wrong. He didn't do nothing wrong. Cat didn't do nothing wrong. Cat was talking shit that niggas did to other niggas, but not about anything niggas did to him. So Chappelle went, then went on to say, if he told his story, it would break your heart that he lost everything and never, ever told on anybody. He went on to say that he does fuck with Cat Horror, but question why Williams would pile out tears. All of us are trying to be in the best way. And I would disagree with Dave Chappelle here, too. First of all, uh, sometimes, you know, it's your own people that will do it to you. Sometimes you got to call out a motherfucker regardless of your race. You motherfuckers can't hand the behind behind Black means they are people already know this stuff about y'all. Okay, uh, next thing is I'm black. Why are you gonna hurt another black man? All that stuff. Child, late for that. Okay, but first of all, didn't nobody get on Kevin Hart 
when Kevin Hart went on the Breakfast Club and said Cat Williams was a drug addict, nobody said nothing. Okay, so they, I disagree with you on this. I think Cat was born, he, he was born in on people that he felt wronged by. People who had came on Club Shay Shay said some things that he wanted to set the record straight. He came to tell his truth. And race ain't got shit to do with it. He's just telling his peer group and what his peer group he was around did we in. Okay, and he ain't trying to stop nobody bad. He's just saying, hey, here is the situation. Cedric stole my joke. Ricky Smiley was on here lying. I was I was always gonna be the pimp. Uh, uh, Steve Harvey and, uh, got ethered by me. Steve Harvey is not uh, try to steal allegedly uh, uh, Bernie Mac's uh, thing from um, uh, Ocean's Eleven Row and all that stuff. He was just he was just telling the truth as he seen it and what he been through and addressing them. Okay. It's not that. It's not some. Um, why are you gonna get on other black comedians? Maybe his experience wasn't bad with other comedians, but just with some of y'all was bad. So calm down, okay? I just, I, I believe yeah, that's not right because you didn't get on that. You didn't get on Kevin when Kevin was out here doing the most, okay? Dwayne Johnson, named board member of WWE. Parent TKL group grant full ownership of the Rock trademark. Okay, this is a very variety. It says Dwayne Johnson has joined the board of directors of TKL Group Holdings, a company formed by Endeavor that merged with WWE and UFC. Johnson, one of the most popular actors and media personalities on the planet, uh, broke out as a star for WWE then WWF in the 1990s, early 2000s. He held multiple world championships in his time, and with a pro wrestling juggernaut and is widely regarded as one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. He said, I'm thrilled to partner with Dwayne and welcome his immersed talent to TKO's board, said Ariel Emanuel, CEO of TKO. Dwayne brings an incredible track record of creating content and building globally recognized consumer brands, and he will play a key role in realizing our ambition for TKO. Okay, what I have been noticing about The Rock is a transition from movie star, wrestler movie star to trying to be this businessman. Uh and some people say go into politics and stuff like that. Here's what I say on the rock. Are you the new Diddy? And them your Sarat bring TKO and all this. And are you gonna be trying to run for politics in a few years? Because, you know, they have come to some black celebrity and asking them to run for politics, which is crazy. <laughs> so it will be it will be interesting to see where Dwayne Johnson goes. I remember when I saw his ass at the Grio Awards, I said, oh, okay, we're we doing something different now. we at the Grio. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Dwayne. Okay, now suddenly, you black, me black, black. <laughs> Now, it's just interesting. I have been noticing showing up in a lot of different things, them putting them out here more as a businessman and everything like that. I always say raise your eyebrow up and look real hard when they start doing this with a celebrity. All of a sudden, fast and furious, and out the blue. They've been building him up like this for the last several years, okay? Don't let it end for you. 
like it ended for Diddy. You know, Diddy is no longer associated with the uh, brands of uh, Ciroc and uh, I forget the other drinks. So they, him and that uh, company settled. Okay? And a lot of y'all thought, I, which I used to tell y'all back in the day, a lot of y'all thought he owns Ciroc. I used to try to tell you, I said, a lot of these people, and there's nothing wrong with this because, hey, that's a job, okay? But a lot of these people like to be the face of white capital, and they tell you they own something, but they not. They're brand managers. And there's nothing wrong with being a brand manager. I like it. I'd be a brand manager. But the thing is to quit trying to exploit black people by telling them you own something. Black people will support your stuff even if you just brand manager, just to be supported. But to get out here and lie and try to exploit and tell people you own something when you don't is that's loud. And it's exploit it's exploitive. That's all I'll say on that note, okay? Uh so very interesting. I'm not saying that Dwayne doing this, but I'm just saying I'm noticing the come up. I'm noticing the come up and the change, okay? Uh let's see. What's next? And I think it was Basquiat. I just remembered his name for uh, Jeffrey Wright played. I just remembered. It was, I had it on my tip of my tongue before, and I forgot. <laughs> but, yeah, I remember it now, okay? Um, let's see. What else did we need to talk about? Um, let's see. Let's see what else. Okay, trying to find y'all the next story that I have for y'all. Y'all know I'll be having these stories up and I'll be here. Okay, Jeannie Ma, okay, as judge not to enforce prenup with ex Vizi citing concerns she didn't have time to review. Child, how you not gonna have time to review the prenup, okay? How you not going, I don't care if we get married that day, me and Denzel, <laughs> and Denzel come walking in with me in my full wedding gear, wedding dress, and say, yo, I forgot to have you sign a prenup. I'm holding all this shit up to my lawyers to see it. <laughs> I can't be doing that. The real, this is for People Magazine, the real host, uh, let me see, um, the real host previously asked the judge to enforce a section of their prenup regarding infidelity after accusing the rapper of being unfaithful in their marriage. Jenny Ma asked the judge not to enforce her prenuptial agreement with her estranged husband, Jeezy, as the pair continued to go back and forth in a fraught divorce. In court documents obtained by people, the real alum claims she wasn't given adequate time to review the documents before signing. She claims that the rapper, born J. Wayne Jenkins, began negotiations for the agreement only five days before their 2021 wedding. Mile 45 says that the abbreviated negotiation window has raised significant concerns about the adequacy and thoroughness of their due diligence process and each party's full fair disclosure of their financial positions according to the document. The filing also states that the compressed time frame made it inherently challenging, if not impossible, for both parties to engage in comprehensive due diligence. 
Ma also alleges that DV failed to provide comprehensive supporting financial documents that provide a transparent and detailed view of his assets, liability, and overall financial standing. Ma has respectfully requested that the judge deny her estranged husband's motion to enforce their uh, prenup or hold off until her team has thoroughly completed their discovery. Child. Now, let me just say this, okay? I've heard of where men come in and try to force women in at the last minute or women, you know, with prenups and you, you feel pressured and, you know, sometimes the judges will hold it up. But let me tell you something. I don't care if you come on my, on the day of my MS and wet, I will hold that shit up. I will not give me, because you know what, this we talking about future. And I need, before I sign anything, I need me and my lawyers to read that. And she should have held up the wedding, too. You a grown-ass woman, okay? You was that, you, nah, you was too quick and too ready and too desperate to get married that you ignored the paperwork, which you shouldn't have ignored. And now you ask that. Time out. I, if I was a judge, I would have told her, I would have said, and you had five days? Could you have not put out the wedding for a little bit longer until you really thoroughly went over and reviewed? But we had the stuff right now. Well, shit, that we, listen, if a man come to you and put that kind of pressure on you, if a man come walking up into your 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 thing that day, two days before, three days before, and stuff talking about signing his prenup, you know he don't give a shit. He planned on giving a divorce. He planned on giving his word. He ain't even gave your people time to review or nothing. He he planned on dissing you. He don't even give a shit about you. He coming into marriage already trying to have you at an unfair advantage. I got it. I would tell him, nah, you you trying to be cute. You trying to put pressure on me. You think I'm gonna just walk down that aisle and not pay no attention? You you crazy as hell. But I'm different. I told you I was raised by wolves. <laughs> Ruby and Levi, they rules. They they rules. <laughs> Uh-uh. What you think about the... You think I'm about to sign? Hold up, bro. You think I'm about to sign? This, you come marching in here four days before the wedding time. I yeah, I decided to sign a prenup. Now, what you trying to do is cheating, and that's not a way to start off a, 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 a marriage. A marriage. Okay, Kenny Ma, you get everything. You use two desperate. And two ready to make see and girls, that's what you gotta remember. You can't be so desperate to marry so I don't care who he is. I don't care who it is, okay? I don't care if it's your dream coming down to you can't say, Oh man, I wanna marry I want him so bad. Okay, I I just started oh, 'cause you wanna impress everybody, not damn that. Damn that Lenny. Maybe you ain't coming in here five days before trying to get me to sign no prenup. Uh uh-uh. uh. We need to, we need we need time for my lawyers to review this thing and make sure it's right. Ah, they see because they think you're so desperate and so quick to want to marry him. See, that's why he knew Jenny Ma was desperate. That's why he came in here five days before. He knew she was just going to start saying, hey, Ooh, just man, I just want to get married. This is, I just love you so much. I'm just ready to get married. I'm just, oh, my God. I'm so ready to be with you, Jeezy. Damn that, Jeezy. I'm not that ready. I got my mind still. 
You had to hold this shit up, okay? So my people can look at, okay? That's a, don't don't be. See, she got desperate, got caught up. She didn't think. She didn't think he was coming. He was going eventually. She that divorce hit her. He didn't. She didn't know she was, he was gonna throw her a curveball, and she wasn't ready for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got caught up. Caught up. And here's what's it. Now I don't feel sorry for her. Sorry, I don't. Ten my You shouldn't have been that deep. Shouldn't have been that deep. Sign that that quick. Damn, you know, trying to hold up. Can't judge me. You stop. Will you do this? I've been like, I've been like, nope. Now, let's talk about the TikTok couple living in a storage unit. These viewers split on what they should say. Okay, there was a couple a couple living in a storage unit. This is according to MSN.com uh, via the Mirror U.S. Uh, uh, has gone viral on TikTok after posting a video bragging about how great the unusual choice of accommodation is. In the kit, clip, Leland Brown lists a, all the great amenities of the couple can enjoy in their rather unconventional home. Living there is cheap in comparison to an apartment, and they have access to free electricity. And in the absence of annoying neighbors, the duo can play music as loud as they want at any time. I live in the storage unit because it's cheap in comparison to an apartment. Living here is actually comfortable, and I get, get a lot of things that I need, and I, w- I want to get done here. Okay. He then starts to list all the activities he can do and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. People on the people, this food takes himself, and the people at the storage unit seeing it because it's not so he's living in the storage unit, and they kick them out. Sometimes you need to shut the hell up. Everything ain't for TikTok. Now, bitches, everything is not for TikTok. I'm living in the storage unit. Look at me here. I am on TikTok. Look at me. Look at how cheap I'm living. No, you dumbass. You don't say nothing. You know when you take TikTok, you take yourself the day before you getting ready to leave into your real house or real apartment. But you don't take take yourself on TikTok while you living in the storage unit. What a fool. I can't say, I, again, I don't know what's the deal here. At first, I feel sorry for anybody has to live in a storage unit, but do I feel sorry for them getting kicked out after they put their asses up on TikTok? The need for attention is gone crazy. It got you kicked out. I can't, I don't know, I don't know. It, it, not smart. Dumb as hell. There's nothing else to say here. Speaking of dumb, I don't know if this is a real video, but I saw a person that named a said they named a child for me. Let's talk about it. Let's pay attention. This is from the shade room. Uh, at I stand. I what is it? I stand. There, okay, uh, is talking about her daughter's name. This woman is talking about her daughter's name after she named it after her daughter after STD. Okay, let's take a listen. 
twice on my list of baby names. I just love that name. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I went back and forth because I'm like, it is a sexually transmitted disease, and she might. Chlamydia was always on my list of baby names. Okay, we'll get it together, y'all, here. Because I contracted the disease from her father. Chlamydia was always on my list of baby names. I just love that name. I think it's absolutely beautiful. And I went back and forth because I'm like, it is a sexually transmitted disease, and she might get made fun of for it. But then when I contracted chlamydia from her father, I was like, this is confirmation that God wants me to name this my child chlamydia. One thing I didn't think too much about when my daughter was born was that she is not going to be a baby forever. She's going to grow up and have to interact with people in the outside world. And people are really mean, and they've been making fun of her for being named Chlamydia. Now, she's only four years old, and she started preschool this past year. Um, but she's having a really hard time at school because somehow these kids know that Chlamydia is an STD. I don't know how they know who's talking to their four-year-old about this topic, but they pick on her, and Okay, yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulty. Okay, let me listen. Okay, we listen to the girl talking about she named her child for me to get child. Oh, I'm just saying this is the end times. I, I don't know if this is real. I don't know if it's, I just, if somebody really out here, she said she named her daughter Chlamydia, her four year old child. When she had, when she was pregnant, she decided she was going to name her child Chlamydia because she contracted Chlamydia from her father. When she, she don't like her baby. She's mad. If this is real, she's mad at that child. She's really mad at that child. Who would do that? She don't like it. You know how sometimes parents don't like Sometimes parents don't like their kids. Like they mad because of the situation. They mad at you about what your, what they daddy, your daddy did to them. That's what's going on with her. She she decided the sins of the father going to fall on the poor child. My goodness, I mean, it's so silly that I just can't even take people serious because it's the end times. This is the world we live in. This is the twilight zone. It really is. I, I'm okay with it. I wake up every day and I'm living at the twilight zone, man. I think the twilight zone, man, is outside my door. Like, Today, Carlotta will experience a woman talking about chlamydia on the internet. Stay tuned. And now entering the twilight zone. You know, shit like that happens. It's like the twilight zone. I wake up to the twilight zone. I'm always in the twilight zone. But we live in it now. Just I've come to accept it. <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. I don't know if that's real. Is that real? Is somebody actually dating child familiar? Your ass is. Okay. It's just ridiculous. All right. Just absolutely nuts. Okay. So what's next we're talking about here? Okay. Uh, wait, how much time we got left? I don't know, y'all. Okay, let's see. Okay, Kiki Palmer, the whole family starting to put out uh, uh, restraining orders on Kiki. Ever since Kiki put out her restraining order, now 
her boyfriend's brother is putting that one on her. Child, this is Darius Jackson's brother, Sabrina, espoused restraining order against Kiki Palmer and her mother, accused the actress of harassment, okay? Oh, Lord. It says, uh, it's according to Bossop, it says, Derek Jackson's brother, Saranis, is getting in on his relationship while filing a restraining order against ex-girlfriend Kiki Palmer. According to the court documents obtained by Radar Online, uh, Saranis Jackson's petition for a restraining order has already been denied by a lot of the superior court judge, okay? Next, in his plea, in his response to his plea, the court did not issue any orders, but reportedly set a hearing for February next month. Jackson can make his case for a permanent restraining order against Kiki Palmer and her mother. According to the court documents obtained by the Blast, Darius' older brother filed two restraining orders against Kiki and her mother, Sharon Palmer, accusing him of harassment. The insecure alum filed a temporary restraining order against Kiki, seeking protection from himself, his mother, his father, and one for one of his brothers, not Darius. Jackson claims Palmer harassed him on January 11th when Darius' lawyers received an email with false allegations about him. Saranis goes on to claim he has emails to prove the actress' false allegations, uh, saying she made foul claims of, I have sexual abuse claims on me, and when I do not, he said he never done such a thing. She's gone to the media and has used her celebrity public to lie on my family and myself. Okay, listen here. This is what I just say this about Kiki Palmer. Let Kiki Palmer be a lesson to you. Uh, listen, for all of us, um, I always look at people very closely who you get involved with. I mean, serious shit. Look at their family, too. Fucking family. It's like, you know, you got to look at everybody. Shit. It's like, like, look at all the shit. She was on She was. She was on her way up. And now she got to deal with all the bullshit, right? They got, they couldn't restrain her others on her and everything. And this is for a, a, a Negro she ain't even married to. She done got all tied up and messed up. And it's probably, I bet it's going to call, if they even restraining orders, is able to go through on you, Kiki? You know how the, they already turn these, anytime these men get harassment suits and stuff against them, they lose jobs. You may lose jobs, acting jobs and, and, and gigs and stuff because they couldn't restrain an artist on your ass. I mean, sometimes you got to ask yourself, ladies, is the dick worth it? Oh, it's good. When you're rolling around, but it ain't so good when you ignore the red flag and they come back to hunt your ass and pretty soon they taking your jobs and they saying, Kiki Palmer has restraining orders against her. We cannot hire her for this gig, okay? She, this, that means she could be abusive. Okay? They, at the allegation, they'll drop you. I think she got a beautiful baby, okay? Baby God bless her. That's why we be trying to tell you, little girl. We be trying to tell y'all. We be trying to tell you. We done seen it before. We done seen how these fools operate, y'all. Y'all out here in these streets. Think y'all know? 
sad story. Kiki was on her way. I mean, Kiki was on her way. I don't know how much of this is going to affect her career. Mm. Damn shame. Damn shame. Okay. We are at the, I am at the end of the show tonight. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with me like you do every week. I appreciate y'all so much. I try to have a show. I think I'm going to start having Saturday. I'm going to try to start doing Saturdays eventually consistently for y'all. But it's been really hard. But probably, hopefully I'll do it after my treatment stops and everything, which I'll do that. You know, I'll try to do it. Okay, you guys, keep me in your prayers. I'll keep y'all in my prayers. Y'all have a good one. Let's end tonight with what we going to end it with. Let's end it with um, you want my love, lucky day, okay? Guys, have a good one. I'm out. See ya. Y'all know how I feel about y'all. I appreciate y'all for taking time, listening to the show, listening to the hot topics and all that. Yes, I know your girl is, needs to get consistent because y'all be like, I don't know when you're coming on. We don't know when you're coming on. We just catch the show and the archive. Okay, so I'm going to try to get back consistent. Y'all give me a moment, okay? Just give me a moment. Give me a moment. <laughs> we got to get YouTube. We got to get all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, it's, 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 we're getting it together, okay? I just have a little setback, okay? But we good. We coming, Okay. Okay, so listen, you can hit me up on the Carlotta Chatwood Facebook page. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Carly's underscore Galaxy. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, C Chatwood Show, Carlotta72, and, you know, Threads and uh, TikTok too, okay? <laughs> you guys, I appreciate y'all. Thank you for listening to, to me. Thank you for rocking with me. And let me just say this, okay? This show, I do it for fun. I I started doing it years ago. Uh, we've been like a little group 
show where we, and then we end up where it's been just me or whatever. I appreciate so many of y'all that have been rocking with me over the years, just for like a long time since we started when we was doing the Michael Jackson show back in the day, which is wild and crazy, okay? But I appreciate y'all so, so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for the times when I'm out and you guys still listen. And you come on to listen to me sometimes just rant. I don't know what y'all listen, which I'll be. Y'all be interested, and thank y'all for being interested, okay? Uh, you know, I just have fun with pop culture. I'm an observer of it. It's just fun, and I just, you know, it's a way to get my therapy about the world. I see <laughs> therapy out, so I hope y'all enjoy the commentary and everything. Uh, I appreciate y'all again, and you guys have a wonderful rest of your week, okay? So we'll leave out with... Um, don't start this groove, okay? Because that's my favorite song ever. I love that song, okay? See y'all. Have a good one. Good night. Everyone.